0: down there. I know that. Yeah, a lot of them down there. A lot of people, unfortunately, of course they're worldly and they don't know, you know, they're just like I used to be. They had no idea what's rightfully theirs. Yes. You know, it is what you know what's so devastating to think about, think about the number of people that have been in church, even those that are in church, that have been in church all of their life and lived and went to church and thought they were serving God but really didn't know him had no idea who he was or what made him happy what pleased him and so that's so devastating to think about that and how many people in church they don't believe God you know so but it's pretty well been like that as far back as I can go back and look in the Old Testament you know it's been that way all the time yeah yeah, it's been that way all the time. So anyway, we're going to start today with a healing school on ten We're going to get started with a word of prayer, and then we're going to talk about some wonderful things out of God's mighty word. Are we ready, Dave? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we praise you and thank you and worship you that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords and God of gods. Lord, we thank you for this mighty owner's manual, the word of God. The magnificence of this book. And thank you, Lord, for all these promises that are in here. And Lord, we ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit to give us new revelation today as we study your word. That we may learn more and more about who you are and what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. And more and more about our kingdom living as children of the King. Lord, we thank you and praise you for this day and for your word. And thank you, Lord, for healing us, for saving us, for delivering us, for making us whole. And Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. To start off with today, I'm going to start off in Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, I want to read a verse to you. And then I want you to think about this. I realize that I need to give, I'm a slow talker. I don't talk real fast most of the time. I try to speak slow, and then I want you to get your Bible out. I want you to look at these promises, and I want you to see what you think these things really do mean. Because, you know, I used to read the Bible, and and I didn't get nothing out of it. But when you read it slow, and you let these things soak in on you, you will realize that these things belong to you. And so this is is what we have to do. We have to realize that the Word of God is what sets us free. Now, Jesus said in His Word, He sent forth His Word and healed us. Psalms 107, verse 20. And the Lord sent forth His Word and healed us. So, if, if the Lord sent forth his word and healed us, then healing should be for everyone. It should be for everyone. If he sent forth his word and healed us. Now then, one of the major things that I've learned as I've realized that the spiritual world, Satan and their host of demons is like the executive department here on earth of the spirit world. Now, it took me a long time to realize this. I used to wonder why that one man would be sick and another one would not be sick. You know, why that certain things would happen to one person and nothing would happen to another one. Or you take a family, you know, that uh, they went to church all the time. They seemed to serve God. Uh, Of course, you couldn't really tell because the only thing you can see about people is is what you see on the surface. You really don't know what goes on in their heart. Nobody but God knows what goes on in your heart. But if you see a person or a family that looks like they're doing everything right, they're in church every time the doors open, they appear to be walking in love, uh, you know, everything appears to be right, and then if there's no sickness and disease among them, they are blessed financially, and they don't have any major catastrophes. As a rule, that family really is walking and serving God. Really are walking and serving God. But when you have people that it seems like all kinds of problems begin to come up in their life. You know, they can't, you know, I, hear, I have people all the time call me, at Christians, and say, Thurman, I want you to pray, I need a financial miracle. My first question is, are you a born-again Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Do you go to church? Well, when I have time. Are you tithing? Oh, no, I can't afford to tithe. That's why I need a financial miracle, because I don't have enough money to tithe. Well, now, that's why you need a financial miracle. Is because you're cursed with a curse. You're not living where God says. You know, the Lord says, under the old covenant, he demanded that we give him ten percent of all of our income. But under the new covenant, he says, "Give." Well, giving doesn't start till tithing ends, and so you give a tenth, and then you give on top of that in the new covenant. And then he says, "As you give, you'll be; re- it'll be returned to you as you give," in Luke six thirty-eight. So, a lot of people that do not give the Lord anything, they wonder why they're not financially blessed. Well, it's because they're disobedient. And there's not anything I can do to pray in a financial miracle for you. It's not anything I can do. But if a person will do what God says, then he will be blessed financially if he'll do it and learn to speak it. Well, it works the same way with healing. When you learn that the Lord says in His Word... As my children, you are to walk holy before me. No sin. I mean, that was really a slap in the face to me, because I was always taught in church I was just an unworthy sinner saved by grace. And it was impossible for me to go through the day without sinning. But then I learned the Word of God says, I'm not supposed to sin after I get saved. Boy, what a switch. And then the Word of God says in such clear detail... That my true children, and and over there in 1 John 5.18, the Lord says, my true children do not sin. They keep themselves from evil, and the evil one cannot touch you. Wow. When you really let that soak in on you, that means... The executive department in the spirit world is Satan and his host of demons. They can't do anything to you as a Christian as long as you walk in obedience to the Word. Now, they may come by and try to do something to you. Oh, the devil will always come by and kind of try to put you to the test. You know, he'll put a pain on you or a symptom on you just to see if you're staying in the Word. You know, if you're not staying in the Word... You will not have anything to counterattack him with, and you will be a pushover, and he will take you down and take you out prematurely, because that's his goal—to steal, kill, and to destroy. John ten ten. But Jesus in that same verse said, "I come to give you life and give it to you abundantly." So I didn't see very many Christians—not very many—that I thought was living that abundant life, walking in the power. So, I thought, something's wrong with this picture. And so, the more I began to read the book, and the more the book began began to become a revelation to me, I thought, if this book is true, then I have been given, as a son of God, awesome, great power. And that kind of rattles your cage when you think, You fail to see yourself like God sees you as long as you continue to think like a man. As long as you think like a human. Unfortunately, we are human. But that human's supposed to die. When you got saved, that human being was supposed to die. And you're supposed to become a brand new creature in Christ. And then you're supposed to study the word. And as you read and study the word, that new creature is supposed to take over. And Christ in you, the hope of glory, is supposed to live through you. And he's supposed to do these same and awesome things he did when he was on this earth as a man. Now, when you get to the point that the closer you get to that and you walk into God kind of love, the greater will be the miracles that you'll get to see God do. So, when you learn that the executive department in the spirit world is Satan and his host of demons, and if you walk holy before God and you don't sin, they can't touch you. And so, not legally. So, they won't be able to torment you. They won't be able to make you sick. They won't be able to do a lot of things that normal people think is normal, uh, which is not normal at all. Or at least, you know, I've learned it's not normal anymore. You know, <clears throat> I'm thinking that you, you, if you're walking in obedience to the Word, the Lord makes you a promise. In fact, let me just let me just go there for a second before I go into this. If Jesus made you a promise like this in his word. Now, now in the old covenant, it's very clear. Every time he made them promises, he made these statements. If you will be obedient, if you will obey me, if you'll keep my commandments and my statutes, did he not? Then I will bless you with all these wonderful things. There'll be no sickness and disease among you. You know, you'll be no barren I'll bless everything you put your hands to, Whatever you do, I'll make it prosper for you. But you come to the new covenant, and those people over there were slaves. And we come to the the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and he called them friends. But then when we get to the book of Acts, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, those of us that believe, he calls us children. And that, that makes all the difference in the world. When you become a daughter of the king, you become a son of God. I mean, you've got to see yourself, I don't care how old you are, whether you're 20 or 60 or 90. You've got to see yourself as a child to God. And he loves you with all his heart, and that he loves you, and he wants to do things for you, good things. And he wants you well and healthy, and he's given you all this power and he has made us these promises as his children, like, for instance, that magnificent verse of John 15:7. Think about that absolute, awesome verse of John 15:7. Jesus said, "If my words remain in you and you remain in me, you can ask me for what? Whatever you want to, whatever you will." Well, as obedient children, with a promise like that, you see there there's a requirement. If my words remain in you. Now then, no offense to the football game today, but if you're down there today and you're watching the football game and you ain't even thinking about God today, guess who you're putting first today? Even if you're sitting at home watching it on TV, you're still putting God first. I mean, the, the, putting the, the world first instead of God first, yeah. If you want to see God do wonderful things, you've got to put him first. Now, can you watch a football game? Yeah, you can watch a football game, but you've got to put him first in everything you do. And, and, and he really, he don't mind you watching a football game once in a while as long as you don't make that your God. You know, when you start making these things your God's, then you've got a problem. And then he's not going to do miracles for you, and so that's why I give up the world. I don't go to a football game or basketball game or nothing. I just I don't hardly really go, to, never go to a movie unless it's something about the Lord. But when you learn these principles, that if you walk in obedience to His Word and do what He says, what kind of a limitation did the King give you when He said, "If My words remain in you and you remain in Me, you can ask Me for what you will." and i will do it for you so see when i prayed for your healing i guarantee you're going to get it because god told me i could ask for anything so that's just the same thing i told sharon that day nearly two years ago i guaranteed her on the word of god that jesus would heal her and of course he started that healing by healing her back for her instantly and then over the next few months her Problems she had with her head, with the brain tumors, and then her shoulder kept used to go out, and her hip go. I don't know what all was wrong. She was a mess. She, was, I mean, for a young, beautiful woman, she was a mess. You know. But Jesus, in His mercy, when she finally found a man of faith to pray for her, God changed her whole life, and now then she's not a mess no more. See, <laughs> it's wonderful when you learn how to pray. Now you do things and you make Jesus first then, don't you, Sharon? Yes, it changes everything about you. Everything. But you can ask for anything. And, of course, when I think about that scripture, when I think about Caitlin, you know, just every two or three or four times a week, she comes out there and gets grandmother. And now she started getting me, too, and wants us uh, to run to the mailbox with her and back. And it's a half a mile down there and a half a mile back. And so we got a nice letter from the school the other day, and the school said she's the fastest girl in the class. Now, for a little girl that could never walk or live, see, when I come to the Lord, I didn't ask the Lord, Lord, I ask you just to let her live. I don't want a vegetable, you know. I want a little girl with that kind of promise that I can ask the king for anything. And if Luke one thirty seven says, with God, nothing is impossible, then why Ask for nothing. Ask for big things, see? So I didn't just ask the Lord heal her. I said, Lord, make her supernatural in everything, everything. I'm tired of Christians being natural or normal. We should never be that way, should be No. We should be supernatural in everything we do. And so I asked the Lord. I said, Father, in Jesus' name, you made me the promise, so I ask you to heal Caitlin. I ask you to make her Supernatural. I don't want her just to be worse. They say she's never going to walk or move or breathe. She's going to die. But I want her to be able to run and play. I want her to be supernatural. And Lord, I don't want a scar on her little face. Her little face tore all the pieces. All the bones are broken all around her eyes where her eyes her face hit that seat at 140 mile an hour closure speed. And I said, I don't want a single one of them little bones out of place. I won't ever want every one of them to go back in there perfect. And I want this face all healed up. And I don't want a single scar or mark on that little face. And, of course, today, you've seen her, haven't you? It's Lots of people have seen her. But today, she's seven years old. In the second grade, I mean, she's got a beautiful complexion. There's not a mark on her little face. I mean, she's so beautiful. And she can run faster than anybody in the second grade. And the teacher said she's extremely brilliant. She's learning very fast. And, and also, she's one of the best-mannered children in the class. You know, the teacher just had a whole long-page letter of all the good things. And I thought, thank you, Lord. See, I ask in faith, believing and thanking Him, and in the presence of everybody that said it's impossible for her to live. I said, it's obvious you don't know my Jesus. See, now my Jesus made me promises. And when we learn that we're children, that we can stand on them promises... It changes the way you do business, doesn't it, brother? It sure does. Because see, listen to where we're going to start today. Think about this. In Matthew sixteen nineteen. This is the real the start. And I want you to see this magnificent promise. I used to read this and it didn't mean nothing to me. I didn't understand it. But in Matthew sixteen nineteen, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom. And whatsoever you shall bind or make happen or knit together on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose or destroy on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Wow. Meditate on that a minute. And I shall give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. The keys. You know, I didn't understand for a lot of years when Jesus said, when he died on that cross, just before he died, he said, It is finished. I thought, What is finished? What does that mean? But now I know. Everything was complete. Now let's go back and think about this for a second. When God originally made the earth, he put a righteous, holy man on it. And he gave him how much dominion and authority and power over what on the earth? All. Man was to rule the earth. He had dominion over everything on the earth. And he was to rule it with words. See, God when God made the earth, God made the earth and, and, the, and the cosmos... And he has no limitations and he speaks and worlds come into existence. He speaks and galaxies comes into existence. He speaks and stars comes into existence. But he made us in his image, in his likeness, and he put us on this earth and he limited our power to the earth. We're supposed to be able to do the same thing on earth that he does throughout the cosmos. But he says, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That's a pretty awesome statement when you really begin to stop and meditate on that. Well, when he said it is finished, he went back to heaven after his death, burial, and resurrection. He went back to heaven and when he got up there he said, Father, I now have regained... All dominion and all power and all authority because I destroyed the works of the devil. I defeated him. And all power now in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, I have just given that power to all those that will believe in me. I've given it to them. So, I'm going to go in and all of the promises that I've made them while I was on earth, all of them, I've told them that all those promises to my obedient children... Or yes every time. I never say no to my promises. So I'm going to go into the safety deposit box here in heaven that's full of all these mighty promises. And I'm going to go ahead and put my key in and I'm going to turn it and I'm going to unlock my side. Now then, when one of my children on earth finds their key to salvation and they put the key in and turn it, the answer is always yes to save them. I will never turn away a human being. It's yes to all of them. Or, when they study the Word and learn that healing is theirs, and I've already done it, when they put the key in and turn it, they get their healing. When they learn that all dominion and power over the devil has been given to them again, when they learn that key, when they find that key and they put it in and turn it, my side's already unlocked. They don't have to ask me for none of these things. They don't even have to pray or do nothing to ask me for this power. I've already given it to them. All they've got to do is study the word and learn it. It's kind of awesome, isn't it? And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom. Wow. What would you do if the president just say, Here, here's the keys to the White House? Just go have a ball. You know, boy, but if he was to say, I'm going to give you the keys of the the uh, uh what do they call that big mint, or what do they call it out here right here in uh, just north of Fort Worth that makes all the money. Anybody ever been in that thing out here? No, 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 no I'm talking about I'm, I'm talking about a real place out here, just north of Fort Worth, just like the one in washington d. c where they make money. yeah, they, where they actually make, and they got pallets of fifties,- hundred dollar bills, thousand dollar bills. Have anybody ever been in one of those places? Yeah, some of you have. Well, I've been in one too. I went into the one up there, and I tell you, you talk about, they've got a glass walkway through there. And in that glass walkway, there's not a single crack or nothing where you can slip a bill through. It's totally sealed. and But you get to walk through and watch them down there making, these machines running and printing money. Coming out and stacking it, counting it, and putting it on pallets. The guy runs it with a forklift, picks up a pallet, $100 bills. <laughs> Is that awesome or that awesome? He's handling that stuff just like we would, you know, anything. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, they have to check them people when they come in and when they go out, and man, do they get checked and frisked. Can you imagine how many ways people try to figure out a way to steal that money? And no telling how many ways they figure that out. But anyway, they got, you can figure there's people that have beat the system somehow, but they try. But can you imagine what you would think today if somebody says that meant right out here in North Fort Worth, I'm going to give you the keys to that thing today, and we're, not, we're just going to let you go out there and have a heyday today. Boy, some of you girls could go on a shopping spree after that, couldn't you? You can go out there and put your key and you walk in there and I can just see you taking your bag putting them. $100 bills? Forget them. I was about to a padded with 1000 Let me get them $1,000 bills, you know. First, forget them $100 bills. Let's get some big stuff here, you know. I mean, yeah, you're just putting it in there. It's amazing what we would do. But here we the King has given us the keys of the kingdom of heaven on earth. The keys have been given to us From the kingdom of heaven. Meditate on that. Think about that. You've got to get this in your spirit. What has been given to you? Now listen. If the keys have been given to you for the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus bore our sickness and removed our disease on the cross 2,000 years ago. Which he did. Then does he plan for his church to be sick? No. No. There should be no sickness and disease in the church. Jesus has already bore it, so whenever the devil comes upon one of us to put sickness or disease upon us, instead of buying these things from the devil, we should resist him with every word we've got in us and say no. I mean, I think about I think about how many times Cheryl and I, since the Lord's brought her into my life, that I've had to pray over her. I mean, I think about, see, see, she didn't know these principles, although she's learning. But when she came into my life, the first date we had, after the Lord told us to get married, the Lord told her and told me that within a 24-hour period, we were to be married. And so I went to her and asked her. And she said, yes, I never had been a date with her, never held her hand, nothing. Uh, That's kind of unique, isn't it, Sharon? But it's great, you know, when God does something, he he knows what he's doing. So, she wasn't ever planning on getting married again, and I wasn't ever planning on getting married again. But God come to the two of us and told us we were to get married. And so, what do you do when God tells you that girl's going to be your wife? Well, you go ask her. Yeah? And she says, yes, because God told her the night before she's supposed to marry me. And, of course, whenever God told her she's supposed to marry her pastor, she woke up rebuking the devil. She said, you devil of hell, in the name of Jesus. You know, she knew that had to be a devil. She knew if she ever was going to get married, it certainly wouldn't be a pastor, you know. But little did she know what God had for her, the trials and tests of the future. But anyway, the very night, a week later after I asked her to marry me, nearly a week later, we had our first date. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's time you go date once you've you know, been engaged to get married. It's time to find out something about each other. You know, so you don't know nothing about each other. So... Uh, that first night we're sitting out there talking, and she didn't understand the keys of the kingdom. She's like I was years ago, but now I'm getting a hold of it. So when we're sitting there and it's I don't know two, three, or four o'clock in the morning, I guess we're you know <clears throat> you'd think only young people sit out and talk in the car all night. But <clears throat> Cheryl and I were sitting out talking all night. We were just talking. I didn't know nothing about her, and she didn't know nothing about me. So we're trying to learn something about each other and what we like and what we don't like and everything else. So three or four o'clock in the morning, she reached over and starts the car. And I said, what are you cranking the car up for? And she said, well, my legs are cold. My feet are cold. I said, but it's May. You know, it's not cold. She said, but I'm cold. I said, how long you had this problem? All my life. All my life. I said, well, you don't have to be like that. See, I had found the keys to the kingdom when it comes to healing. Because one of the keys is in Matthew eighteen, nineteen, where Jesus said, Again I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father which is in heaven. There's one of the keys. I told her, I said, Do you want to stay like that? She said, Well no. I said, then take your shoes off and Throw your feet over that console there so I can caress your legs and pray over them. So she did. She turned around there, and I grabbed about her knee, and I started coming down her legs. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I, according to Matthew eighteen nineteen, I rebuke this spirit that's blocked up Cheryl's legs, the arteries and the blood and the veins, so the blood doesn't flow properly in her legs. I rebuke that spirit and command that thing to leave her in Jesus' name. I said, now, Lord, I ask you to send the mighty Holy Spirit into those legs and into these little feet. And I ask you to open every vein and every artery and let both of them work perfect. So they'll be warm and not cold. In Jesus' name. I said, thank you, Lord. It's done. I said, Cheryl, do you agree with that? She said, I do. I said, well, then thank the Father for doing it. She said, Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name. Bam. Just like that. The blood... In my hands, her little cold feet got just as warm. Isn't Jesus awesome? He was right there. Isn't that an awesome key? And behold, I give unto you the keys of the kingdom. Because I come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. I mean, having cold feet is not abundant life. Some people said, gee, if that's the only problem I had, I'd be tickled. But you don't even have to have that either. I prayed, and I thanked him, and Cheryl thanked him, and we got our answer, just like that. Well, I didn't know that she had knocked a knee off riding a little cycle in a gym, I think, 15 or whatever years before. But I, she started, every time she'd do something, or she'd bend down, oh, get up, oh, 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 my knee, oh, I can't walk. Knees all swelled up. I said, what's wrong with you today, you know? Here she is, a young woman, you know, walking like an old woman, you know. Can't get around. I said, what's wrong with you, woman? Well, she said, Well, my knee. I knocked my knee off, my cap off when I was riding a machine exercising years ago, and it does this every once in a while. I said, Well, you don't have to be like that. We've got the keys to the kingdom, right? Are we children of the king? Sure, we are. So we pray in faith, thanking the Lord. It's done. He said it. That's all you got to do. Pray. Thank you, Lord. It's done. Well, the knee, the swelling would go down in a day or two or three, and everything get okay for a week or two or three, and then all of a sudden she'd do something that thing slip off again. I prayed over that thing, rebuked that devil for about eight months before I finally got it totally, completely done. See, some of the devils of hell they don't give up easy, but you don't never give up. You stay in faith. Well, after that, finally got it done. She went out to to sing out to, in. uh Colorado or somewhere last year and even went skiing while she was out there now you don 't go skiing with a bad knee right if you do you're in trouble but she went skiing and had absolutely no problems you know so when you find the keys to the kingdom this is what you got to realize the keys of the kingdom jesus said in Matthew 16:19, "And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you shall bind." There's not a whole lot left out of whatever is there. In other words, once we become children, we've got to realize He's given us all things, all things. I mean, if you're not praying getting prayers answered, you're not believing God. You're not believing him. He's made the promises. I mean, they're there. They're all over the place. And he says, whatever you shall bind. In other words, that means to make happen, knit together. Whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you shall loose on earth or destroy down here. So whatever the devil's doing, you have power to kick him out in the name of Jesus. All power has been given to you over the enemy. He has no power over you when you walk in obedience to God's Word. Now then, in Matthew chapter 6, I want us to think about some of these things the Lord told us today, what we can do as far as our power and our dominion. Because I was raised up in a church that I never saw an answer to prayer in the church. I never saw anybody healed. I never saw any miracles. Uh, I just, I mean, in fact, I guess (coughs) the reason we don't see these things, I guess, I turned on the radio the other night. (coughs) I turned on the radio the other night when I was going home. (coughs) And there was a man on That's the president of a large Christian institute. And just as I turned it on, he made a statement to a man. He said, you know, there's a false revival going on. There is people that still believe that God does healings and miracles today. But he don't do that. He can heal and he can do miracles, but he don't do them unless he wants to with his sovereignty. What you have to say has nothing to do with God doing a healing or a miracle. And I thought, what is wrong with this guy? Where is this guy coming from? Where does he get this information? And then I heard him say, I've written a book. It was called The False Revival. And I have exposed people like Kenneth Copeland. Kenneth Hagin. I'm, you named, I, thought, I thought, Lord, help this guy. Lord, help this man. Now, who's blinded this man's eyes? Sure, of course it is. This guy, supposedly, is a Christian man that loves God, that's a president of a large Christian organization, and he don't believe God heals or does miracles anymore. He believes he saves souls. You know, he does that. And you know, I thought to myself, he comes to Prestonwood Baptist Church about twice a year. I thought the next time I hear him coming to Prestonwood, I think I'm going to go out there and take 10 or 15 people like you, Sharon. (laughs) People from here that have received the mighty miracles and healings like you. Take Cheryl, my wife, you know, that's received so many answers to prayer. And so many other people. And we just go out there and just scatter ourselves around amongst those 10,000 people or whatever's there. And then when he asks for questions, I'd like to stand up and say, Sir, I have a question. I heard you already, say that Jesus doesn't do miracles or healings anymore. And that you wrote a book about the false revival. Well, I've been a Southern Baptist all of my life. And I'd like to tell you that the enemy obviously has deceived you. Because I've seen God do many miracles. He said, you have? Yes. oh.'" Would you like to see one? Huh. Yes. I said, Is there anybody here in this congregation that's been that's received a miracle when I prayed for you in the name of Jesus? And about ten or fifteen or twenty people stand up all over the place and said, I got one, I got three, I got five. Have you got time to listen to all these, sir? I mean Yeah, just take Caitlin, that'd be good enough, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, I definitely would take her. Yeah, I'd take her, because that's the best documented one there is. I mean, that, isn't it awesome how the enemy has blinded our minds to what we have as children of God? But listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 9. And after this manner, therefore, pray you. Now, he's telling the disciples and us how to pray. Our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, wait a minute. Let's just, just read that. And If He wants His kingdom to come, we're supposed to pray for His kingdom to come and that His will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever stopped to think about what that last statement, in earth as it is in heaven, really means? I mean, does that, do you think there's sickness and disease in heaven? You think people are crippled in heaven? Do you think people have pain and suffering in heaven? So what do you think God wants? What is His will for us on earth then? The same thing it is in heaven. He just told us right there. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Then I want you to go to Matthew 4. Back to Matthew 4. Start with verse 23. Are you ladies up here? Are y'all cold? You're a little cool? Let me set that up just a little. I'm not cold at all. I'm just really nice, but I don't want y'all to be cold. We'll set that up just a little. <coughs> now, I want you to think about what this is saying here in Matthew 4. <coughs> And then I'm going to ask you all some questions today. This is going to be a different healing school. I'm going to have a question and answer session here. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues. Now what's he doing? Teaching. Teaching. I wonder what he's teaching. He's teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel gospel of the kingdom. <clears throat> what does the word gospel mean? Good news, okay? He's preaching, teaching in church and preaching the good news of the kingdom. And healing how many? All manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now, I want us to think about a minute. You know, I don't know how many times I've read these things. And you read them, and you read them, and you read them, and you really come back one day. And then you begin to do what this brother here was telling me. You know, like Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 and 3. Father, in Jesus' name, give them revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of the gospel. If he's teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, what is that? What is that? What is the gospel? Think about that. What is the gospel? You know what I've said a million times in my life? You know what I've said the gospel was? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But no, no, no. The gospel of the kingdom, that's not it. Jesus is not talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. Nobody even knows he come to die on the cross yet. In fact, he didn't tell his own people to right near the end. Then he told them not to tell nobody. So he wasn't preaching that, was he? So what was he preaching? He was preaching the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. What in the world is the good news of the kingdom? He went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and then after he's preaching or teaching the good news of the kingdom... He's healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. All of these things. You know what the gospel of the kingdom is? What was the original good news when God made man and put him on the earth? What was the good news he told man and woman to do? What did he say go do? Uh, Take dominion. Dominion. Rule over the earth. That's dominant. You You know, I mean... Be in control. Control this thing. I've given it to you. Technically speaking, man had been given total dominion and power over the earth. And here today, we got people in church that's sick and afflicted because they've not found the keys of the kingdom. I mean, when the devil comes upon one of us, I think about my own lovely bride, Back there the other day, I went into the bathroom, and she's standing there looking at a thing on her chest right here, right here under her neck. She says, get that off of me now in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know what? You know, if a, if a little tumor or a little cancer grows up right here on the average woman today... What does the average Christian woman do? Oh, my goodness. Comes in and says, ah, honey, look at this thing on me. You've got to take me to the doctor. You've got to make me at a moment. I've got to get down there. Oh, this thing's probably going to increase in size and she's shaking. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Sure. But not mine. She knows I am her priest. And she knows I have a direct line to the king. And if you've got a direct line to the King, and whatever you bind on earth, or whatever you loose on earth, has been given to you as a priest, direct communication to the Father through the blood of Jesus, we ought to take that Hebrews four sixteen and just jump right up in Daddy's lap and say, Daddy, that devil's trying to put a thing on my wife's neck right there, and I ain't I ain't tolerating that beast in the name of Jesus. Is that what we should do? Say, you devil of hell! I reached up put my hand on that thing. I said, you devil of hell, in the name of Jesus, get out and you're gone and you are not coming back in Jesus' name. Somebody said, well, Thurman, don't you want to pray to ask God to take that thing off? Did God put it on there? Huh? Who put that thing on there? Of course he did. The devil did. The devil put that on there. And if I I am a son of God and he's given me the keys to the kingdom... And he told me, whatever you bind on earth should be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth should be loosed in heaven. Then what does he expect me to do? He expects me to exercise the power he's given me in his name and kick that thing off of my wife. And that thing left. Guarantee it left. Now we, had a, we have a man right here in this church that came here and he asked me, he had a, he had a tumor on his leg. And he had already removed it one time himself. He's a doctor. And it came back, and it came back bigger. And then he came to church and asked me to pray over it. And I prayed over it, and six weeks later he'd come back. And I hadn't seen him for six weeks. When he'd come back, I remembered it. I said, oh, I prayed over that tumor on your leg. I said, did it go away? He said, it went away this week. I said, well, what did you do? He said, that little tumor got bigger and bigger every day. And I kept thinking, should I take this thing off again or what? He said, no, God, I want you to take it off. But he said, one day I was out there and one of my big prize bulls, he raised bulls, and he said one of my big bulls got to fighting with another one in a lot where it had been raining a lot and the, they were really down in the mud deep and one of them hit the other and broke one of them's leg and now that big expensive bull is nothing but hamburger meat. So he said, and I forgot a tractor in there and got him out got him where I could put him in a trailer, take him down to the meatpacking plant, and I'm muddy from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I go in the house to take a shower, and said, I strip all my clothes off, start to walk in the shower, and I look down and said, I already know that's a devil that just killed that bull. I I know that's that beast that's causing them bulls to fight. I start to walk in that shower, and I look down on that leg, and there's that big old tumor. And he said, I reached out and I slapped that tumor just as hard as I can. and said, you devil of hell, you're going to take that thing off too in the name of Jesus. And guess what? It came off. It came off. See, let me explain something to you right now that you need to learn. You don't have to pray for healing. It's already been given to you by our Heavenly Father through what His Son, Jesus Christ, did for us on the cross. But it will be a war or a great battle taking it away from the devil with it is written. But when you get a hold of this, just like again, Cheryl, my wife, is one of my best teaching tools. I mean, she had a fire burning in her stomach. She prayed over it for two days and couldn't get rid of it. And then she woke me up at two o'clock in the morning. She said, honey, You gotta pray for me. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I have a burning fire in the lower part of my stomach. And she said, I said, how long you had it? She said, about two days. I said, why didn't you ask me to pray for you a lot sooner than this? Well, she said, well, I was trying to get it done myself. I said, woman, you're in total rebellion against God. She said, what do you mean? I said, what, honey, what did you not understand when the Lord told you to submit to your husband in all things? I said, you're not to go directly to the Father when you need prayer. You're my wife. You are to come to me, and you and I are to go, and I'm to present your case to the Father in the name of Jesus. I said, when I do that, then he will heal you. She said, well, I didn't know that. I said, repent. She said, Lord, I'm sorry. Now, see, that's a, that's a good woman. She's listening. She repented. I reached under the cover and laid my hand right there on her stomach. And I said, you devil of hell, you're out of here right now in the name of Jesus. Bam. She was instantly healed. How much power and authority do we have over the devil? All. Oh, isn't that something? Behold. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, one of my favorite verses. Behold, I give unto you power or authority to tread on the devil and his demons. All power is given to you over him. He shall in no wise hurt you. Nevertheless, rejoice not in this, that the evil spirits have to be subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Is that an awesome scripture? Listen to that again. Behold, I, Jesus, given to you, put your name right there, man or woman, I given to you power or authority to trample or to tread on the devil and his demons. All power is given to you over them. They shall in no wise hurt you. Nevertheless, rejoice not that those evil spirits have to be subject to you. But rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven. You are a possessor as a son or a daughter of the kingdom of heaven. You are a possessor of these great and mighty promises and they belong to you. So when the devil tries to come upon you to make you sick or to put a pain or a symptom upon you, you just kick him out. People go around praying, Oh God, if it be your will, will you please heal me? I mean, did you know when I finally got to the point where I could pray that kind of a prayer in the Baptist church, I prayed a long time and I never saw an answer to prayer. Not one. Not one. But when I learned what was mine, and that I had the keys of the kingdom, Then when I can walk up and do things right, then I can walk up and lay my hands on a woman like this right here and say, you devil of hell, leave her in the name of Jesus. And her back's instantly healed. I mean instantly healed, her back was. Then we asked the Lord over time to restore everything because I didn't know everything. I didn't know that she had a brain tumor. I didn't know she had an arm kept going out. I didn't know her hip went out. I didn't know she had allergies. I didn't know all those things. All I knew is she had a bad back for 30 years and she'd been in excruciating pain. That's what we were attacking and we drove that devil out that day and she got instantly healed. But then when she saw that healing, now then she realizes she don't have to have none of this junk. I mean, she don't have to have the brain tumors. She don't have to have this arm keeps going out. Don't have to have that hip that keeps going out. Don't have to have the allergies or nothing. But it's a war and we're going to kick that beast out, right? And now you don't have none of those things. Isn't it wonderful? Yes, Yes, it's absolutely wonderful. Christians need to realize that we've been given the keys of the kingdom. And Jesus went about preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom. If you and I got the keys of the kingdom, then goodness gracious, what is the kingdom? Well, the kingdom is in you and I when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. So it's not very far away. It's right here. Now then, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. In Matthew eleven twelve, Jesus told us that since the coming of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. Now who in the world? First of all, the kingdom of heaven. Where is the kingdom of heaven? It's in us. We are the kingdom of heaven on this earth. We're children of the king. If we are the kingdom of heaven and we suffered violence, then who in the world would you think we could suffer violence from? The devil. The enemy and his demons. But the word of God says that the violent take it by force. If we can take it by force with the word of God... Then that means that we take these promises of God, we act on these promises, and we drive that devil out, and we get our healing. In the name of Jesus. Walk strong, walk straight. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And that's the way you overcome the enemy. You take the word, and you quote it. and Just like a Baptist preacher, good friend of mine. He walked in one day, and he was on crutches. He wasn't just walking with a cane. He was walking on crutches. I asked him, I said, Brother, what happened to you? He said, Well, I hurt my ankle. And so he said, I got really, really bad pain. I said, Well, what did the doctor say? I guess you've been to the doctor. Oh, yeah. He said, I went to the doctor. When I heard it hurt so bad, I went to the doctor. He gave me these crutches. He told me i have to walk on them about four to six weeks. I said, Well, you know, we have the keys of the kingdom. I said, we have a great key in the kingdom in Matthew 18:19. This key says if two of us on earth agree about anything we ask him for, he'll do it for us. Does it not? I said, so why don't we take that key since he's given us the keys of the kingdom and we, we now know what they are. Let's take that key and let's turn it and let's pray the prayer of faith and ask the father in Jesus name to restore your foot, your ankle. And we did. I said, now, do you agree with that? He said, I do. It's done because Jesus said it. I said, okay, Lord, it's done right now. Can you agree with that? He said, sure. I said, okay, good. I said, now then, pick up your crutches, throw them over your shoulder, go out and put them in your car, and come back in. You don't need them no more. He says, right now? Right now? Well, see, that's when we find out whether we believe this stuff or not. That puts us to the test, right? The old devil said, no, you fool, don't you dare put him over your shoulder. You know how bad that ankle hurt when you put weight on it. And he thought, a minute, you know, God did make you and me that promise, didn't he? I said, he sure did. So he stands up, takes him crutches, sticks him under his arm, and he reaches, cripples a couple of steps, and he walks over to the door and gets the door, and he goes out in the office kind of crippling. And I see him go down the front. I see him start walking normal. He goes out the car, puts him in. He walks all the way back, walks and walks right in my office. And I said, well, you look like you're walking a whole lot better right now than you was when you left. He said, you know, it only hurt for just four or five or six steps. And after that, the pain was gone. Isn't that amazing? It's just like one day a lady came out there. And this lady, uh, I was, needed a parking lot done. And this lady came out with a man. And when the man came back, he said, Thurman, there's a lady up here to give you a bid on the parking lot. I said, she's walking with a cane. And so I didn't want her to have to walk all the way back here. I thought it would be easier for you to walk up there to her. I said, sure, no problem. So I go up there and I walk up and I shake her hand. I said, I'm Thurman Scrivener. And she said, well, I come to give you a bid on your parking lot. You called us. I said, okay. I said, "Uh, what happened to you, young lady? And she said, well, I was in a car wreck. Uh, somebody ran into hit me in the door. But she said, I know Jesus is going to heal me. I said, wow, you must really know Jesus. She said, I know Jesus. I love him with all my heart. And I know he's going to heal me. I said, what makes you think he's going to heal you? She said, because I know he's going to. I said, ma'am, I got news for you. He's not going to heal you. She looked at me and said, what do you mean he's not going to heal you? I said, how long have you been like that? She said, three months. I've been walking on this cane for three months. I said, well... I said, you haven't met the criteria that's required. I said, you don't know. He's already done. She said, what are you talking about? I said, Jesus already bore your sickness and removed your disease, according to Matthew 8:17." I said, so it's already done. I said, that's one of the keys of the kingdom... I said, and I'm going to pray a prayer of faith for you and I'm going to guarantee you when you wake up in the morning, you're not going to have any pain and you're not going to need that, that uh, cane no more and there will be no pain in your foot in the morning when you wake up. How can I be so sure of that? Another one of the keys of the kingdom is Mark 11.23. Think about Mark 11.23. Just the last half of Mark 11.23. Jesus said, Whatever you say with your mouth, if you believe it with your heart, you shall have whatever you say. Is that a wonderful key? Is that a wonderful key, brother? I mean, but Jesus couldn't possibly meant that, could He? If He did, then we need to start using that key, don't we? We need to put it in that lock and turn it by faith. So I put it in that lock and turned it that morning. I said, Now ma'am, I'm going to lay my hands on you. Jesus told me to lay my hands on you, and He'll heal you. Now, that's another one of the keys. In Mark chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, And these signs shall follow those that believe, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Was that hard? Just think. You could walk through places of business and somebody say... Oh, I'm sick or I got these allergies or I got the flu or whatever. And you just walk by and say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Somebody says, now, you know, God wouldn't do nothing. They got to have faith in everything else. Nope. You will be amazed at the healings and the miracles you will see when you walk through. And some, maybe some man or some woman, just like this woman. This woman was a Christian woman and she believed Jesus was the healer. She did go to church, but her husband was lost. 25 years she'd been married to this guy and he was lost I didn't know him I just knew that I'd called to have a, a, a bid come uh, somebody come out and give me a bid on the parking lot it just happened to be that this woman which her husband owned the company she came to give me a bid on the parking lot and here she is walking on a cane had a wreck three months before been walking on a cane ever since believing Jesus is going to heal her well if he's going to why hasn't he done it he, she didn't have the right key but I had the right key. And I put it in my lock and I turned it. When I reached over and touched her, I said, Ma'am, I know you don't know me. It's the first time you've ever seen me. But I'm going to guarantee you, if you'll let me reach over and touch you on arm with both hands, I'm going to guarantee you, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, is going to heal you. Mark eleven twenty three. What did he say you could have, brother? What did he say? Anything? Anything you say with your mouth, if you believe it with your heart. So there must be a lot of us saying things that we don't believe it, right? Is that true? Don't you think it's time we start believing the King? I mean, just like Brother David over there. How long did you have you had that back trouble, Brother David? Fourteen months. I he, the day he come up. It's only been, what, two or three weeks ago? When he came up here and he said, Thurman, I've had this back trouble for... I guess 14 months long time and he said I want you to pray for me this afternoon you know all I got to say for us guys we are extremely hard headed we are extremely dense. I used to be one of those but brother David finally said it's time to pray and he come up and I touched him and prayed the prayer of faith for him and guess what God did for him he healed it he healed his back pain this woman I told her I said now ma'am I'm going to guarantee you in the name of Jesus, if you'll let me reach over and touch you on the arm. I said, I know you've never seen me. You don't know who I am. But I'm a man that loves God. And I'm going to guarantee you that Jesus Christ, the King of kings, is going to heal you. And He is. you will be healed in the morning when you wake up in the name of Jesus. You wake up in the morning, you will have no pain in your leg. Well, she said, okay. Stuck her arm out and says, do it. So I just reached over and said, In the name of Jesus, be healed. I said, now then, let's go on out there and you give me a bid on the parking lot. The guy that was with her from their company, he's standing there watching. Wow, I've never seen nothing like this. (laughs) So we go out there and he measures. He takes the tape, little tape machine. He's running all over the place. He's making a mirror. She's writing everything down. And I'm back over here together and we walk up to the front of the building. They start to leave and I said, remember, woman. You're going to be miraculously healed by King Jesus. In the morning when you wake up, you will have no pain in your foot. Well, that next day, I mean, my phone rang and it was that woman. She said, Thurman, Scrivener, praise God. She said, I woke up this morning, there was no pain in my foot. She said, I jumped out of bed and I'm dancing. She said, I'm literally dancing in the floor. And my husband said, woman, what are you doing? You got a bad ankle. You know you can't dance like that. And there he is watching her do it, telling her she can't do it. Now, that's where we live. But anyway, she was so happy about what had happened. And that was on Tuesday. On Thursday, she called me back. And she said, Thurman, it's getting better all the time. I said, what do you mean better? I thought you said it was completely healed with no pain Tuesday. Oh, she said, that's not what I'm talking about. She said, my foot was completely healed. I woke up Tuesday morning, No pain. Jesus, I was completely healed. But said, this morning, my husband of 25 years, because of my miracle, has accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I'm telling you, it just got better at her house, didn't it? Yeah, a lot better, didn't it? Whenever that husband of hers that's lost for 25 years, when he gets saved, everything's going to change in that house. Praise God. And it did get better. Why does Jesus do these kind of miracles? He does not because you stand in faith, but he does them so the world will know that he lives. And it's such a, such a shame that most of us don't believe he'll do these things. But all you got to do is quote his word. He's the one who gave us the keys of the kingdom. Then Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, you know, it's amazing how many years I thought that the gospel, the good news was the death, burial, and resurrection. That is good news. But that's not what Jesus was preaching when he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. He, was, he said he went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom and then healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. So see what he's teaching them. I have given you dominion on the earth. It's the earth technically. It's mine And I'm giving you this power. And this is what you can do. I told you before that you had this kind of power. Now then, I'm going to heal you to prove it's true. And this is the message of the gospel of the kingdom. So, he's teaching this to his people. And then it says, let's look and see what else after he's preaching about this. And it says, and fame and his fame went throughout all Syria and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with various diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatics and those that had the palsy and he healed them. I mean, he can heal anything, can't he? There is nothing hard for Jesus. Like Sharon said a while ago, one of these days when that gentleman comes out to Prestonwood, when I hear he's there, I am going to go out there and take some of y'all that have received miracles, and I'm definitely going to take Caitlin, and I would love to take Kelly, but her mother won't let her go. I know that, you know, it's, it's such a shame that people can be so deceived by the enemy. You know, so deceived. But anyway, God is wonderful. He's merciful. And it says, And they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out See, this is one of the keys of the kingdom. This is in Matthew nine, thirty two and thirty three. Matthew nine thirty two and thirty three. And they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. In other words, he was demonized. This is our problem today. This is what causes our problems. I spent, I guess, an hour on the phone last night or night before that. No, was it, was it last night or not? Yeah, last night. Till eleven fifteen, I was on the phone with a man. He said, "I saw you on GLC," and he called me yesterday, and he wanted to talk to me. And I called him and he said, you know, it's something I just, I can't ever, that relationship between me and my wife is just never where it should be. My relationship with my children, it's just never where it needs to be. He said, I can't, I can't, my business, it seems like there's always something holding me back in business. He said, just, there's always something wrong. I said, sir, you're a Christian? Oh, yeah. I said, do you go to church? Yes. Do you tithe? Yes. I said, well, let me tell you what your problem is then. You need to turn to that devil and tell them demons of oppression and depression and everything else. And he said, one of the major problems I have in life is fear. I'm just afraid I'm going to fail and I'm afraid of everything. I said, oh, and you need to turn to that demon of fear and tell him, in the name of Jesus, get out of my life. And I talked to him and I told him, I said, this is what your problem is. And it's demonic spirits that are invisible that you can't see. <clears throat> I think about Dave out there at the ministry center. Their little three month old son. Uh, that little guy can just have a, just a little bubble come out of a nose or something. And Dave will jump on him and say, you devil of hell, you ain't putting no runny nose on my son. Out, 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 he says. In the name of Jesus. Now, he's learned his lesson well, hasn't he? Yeah. You mean for a man that's had, a man that his grandmother died with a sickness, and his mother still got the sickness, and he had it born with it and had it 40 years of his life, and it's incurable, and now he's completely well. Completely. You've seen him, Sharon. You know, you saw him when he was having all the problems. How awful he looked. Several of you in here may have seen him, but now you also know that he's completely healed. And so now then, he has learned that this is demons, and he's got power over them. So now he knows that when Jesus said in his word, I come to give you life and give it to you abundantly, anything that's not what he considers abundant life is of the devil. And he knows he has all power over the devil. So I mean, just like maybe his little son starts to cry or something. You may not know that there's a demon there that's pinching the little guy, and he'll start to cry or something and get a little upset. They'll they say, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, we ain't going there. You devil of hell, you get out of him. Leave him alone in the name of Jesus. And just a minute or two, he's just laughing and just, just having a ball. You know, I think about, when I think about that story, I think about this little boy, Caleb, that Betty and Amanda used to keep. And they, In fact, this, this woman could not find anybody in their Baptist and go to church and ponder, to Baptist church. And they had this little nine-month-old boy named Caleb. And they could not find a babysitter could keep that child. Couldn't find one. So finally one day she asked Betty to keep her. Said, will you keep her? And, and she said, sure. Said, I don't want to keep him permanently, but I'll keep him until you find somebody. Well, she kept him for three weeks. Thursday evening of the third week when I come in, she said, I have met my match. I said, what do you mean? She said, this little boy, I have never seen anybody like him. He cries all the time. He, he won't sleep. He kicks. He screams. She said, uh, I've tried everything. Nothing works. I said, this is not normal. So I turned and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, what's wrong with Caleb? And immediately I heard one word, tormenting spirit. I said, oh, okay. I said, no problem. In the morning, this was Thursday, Friday morning, I said, when Mama brings Caleb, I'll get him set free. If he has a tormenting spirit that's tormenting a little nine-month-old baby, and I have been given the keys to the kingdom, and I have all power and all authority over the devil, you think I'm going to let that devil beat upon on that little nine-month-old boy? Absolutely not. Mama brings that little boy in next morning. He's crying. She sets him down the high chair, and he's crying and cream, screaming, cream, screaming and kicking. And Mama, she goes to work crying that morning. She said, Betty, I hate to leave him like this, but I don't know what's wrong with him. I said, no problem. Go ahead, Mama. Go to work. So she left. And when she left, and she walked out of the door, and I saw her driving down the road, I knelt down in front of that high chair, and I reached up and grabbed him little shoulders. I looked at him right now, and I shook him. I said, you tormenting spirit of hell. You know I'm a man of God. And you know I have all power and all authority over you. I said, it is written in Luke ten nineteen and 20. I said, you come out of him and you go to the pit. And don't you ever come back to Caleb in the name of Jesus. I said, thank you, Lord, for giving me power and dominion over these devils. I stood up and I said, guarantee you and Caleb will have a great day today in the name of Jesus. And I go to work. And I get in about 7 o'clock that night. Of course, Mama's already come and got Caleb. When I walk in the door, Betty said, you're not going to believe the day I had with Caleb today. Why do we always say that, Jerry? See, we're just dead spiritually, aren't we? We just don't believe the Word of God. I said, I guarantee you had a good day with him, didn't you? She said, I'm telling you, he never cried. She said, when you left, he had a beautiful breakfast. She said he played. She said he had a really nice long nap. Said at noon I fed him. He had a good lunch. She said he had slept an hour this afternoon. And said he didn't hardly. Said he might have snubbed a little once or twice. But said there was no crying, no screaming, no kicking. And said when Mama come got him, he was a perfect boy all day. But Monday morning came, and when Mama walked in the door, she run up and she said, Betty. What did you do to my son last Friday? (laughs) Did you give him some medicine? Well, no, no. I would have never given him no medicine. Why? She said, for the first time since he'd been born, he didn't cry. He didn't kick. He didn't scream. And he slept. Said, you had to do something to him. What did you do? Well, she said, Thurman prayed for him. She said, whatever you did, it worked. So mama goes off to work. And as she walked out, I said, uh, why didn't you tell her I cast a demon out of him? She said, I'm not ready for this, and I know she's not. (laughs) Now, see, brother, how much power and authority did our king give us over them devils? Now, what is it you and me don't understand about all? Don't you think it's time we change? Yeah, take the blinders off and start believing the keys of the kingdom. I mean, start realizing these devils are our problem. So don't go in and pray for somebody that's sick. Go in, first of all, and rebuke that devil. Command that beast to come out of them in the name of Jesus. Even if it's a little child, who would ever believe, who would ever believe a little nine month old child that was born with all this crying and screaming and kicking and nothing, no doctor, nobody could help him? And for nine months of his life, he was living in torment. How would you like to be a little child growing up nine months old with a tormenting spirit running around inside you that's messing you up, pinching you, and and making everything not work? The little guy didn't understand what was happening. How would you like for me to come along beside you right now as an adult? And every time you walk by, reach up and hit you and put a nookie on you as Cheryl calls them. How would you like for me to do that to you? Would that be a tormenting spirit? You wouldn't want to be around me, would you? You knew if every time I walked up to you, I reached over and grabbed you by the hair like this and jerked your hair real hard? I said, oh, here's a few you didn't need. Let me give them to you. You wouldn't like that, would you? But how would you like it if a demon's doing that to you and you can't see him? He's tormenting you. But if you're a little tiny baby, all you can do is cry and scream and kick. That's all you can do. But one command in the name of Jesus. One command. After all, what did that key to the kingdom of Luke ten nineteen and 20 say? How much power that key did he give me to the devil? Oh? Well, as one preacher to another preacher, I think it's time we start believing the Word of God. Don't you, brother? I do too. And when we start believing it, and we start acting on it, then you start seeing these kind of mighty miracles. Now then, if Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and then turned to those of us that will believe in him and said, Now, all power is given to you in heaven and earth. All power. All power over the spirits. What are we going to do? Let these devils keep beating up on us? Are we? No. We're going to act on it, aren't we, Sherry? You ain't letting them devils beat up on you no more, are you? No. I mean, when you pray the prayer of faith, you pray the prayer of faith, don't you? You don't say, oh God, if it be your will, will you heal sister so and so? You jump in there like a duck on a june bug and you just pecking that beast away. And when you get through, there ain't no devil left, right? And when the devil's gone, then they're healed. Because Jesus already gave us our healing. And when you begin to see this, what you can do in the name of Jesus. In fact, the other day, not, not very many days ago, just a few months ago, I was in my Ford pickup, and I went up to the mailbox at Argyle to mail a bunch of packages. And on the way home, a transmission line broke on my 94 Ford pickup, and I lost all the fluid. And so it's only about four miles from there to my house. I think, no problem. I'll just run to the house. You know, I get out of my pickup. I mean, you all say that, but i am telling you, that's not a big deal for me. So I get out of my pickup, and I'm running, and I'm, I run about the first mile. And then I realized, hey Lord, I got things much more important to do than be out running. So I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, send me somebody to pick me up, and take me to the house. Now, do you think I can pray that kind of prayer? Have I got a key? Have I got a key that says I can do that? Sure, I can take John 14:13, where Jesus said, "Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He'll do it for you." So, if John 14:13, one of the keys of the kingdom. Father, thank you that John 14:13 says I can ask the Father in the name of Jesus for anything and you'll do it. So I said, Father, in Jesus' name, send me somebody to pick me up and take me to the house. Now, I don't want to just go in. I want to go to the house so I can get somebody to come back down here when we pull my pick home. I said, thank you, Lord. It's done. And so I stopped running and walked just a few steps. And all of a sudden, a station wagon coming from this way comes and goes by me and turns around and comes back and pulls right up beside me. And this woman in there, she said, Mr. Scrivener, I don't think you're out for a walk this far from home. And it was the mother of Caleb. And she had Caleb in there, and he's a pretty big boy now. And then she's got another one, about a year old, sitting there in a little car seat. She said, are you going home? I said, yes, ma'am. The transmission line broke on my pickup. She said, I would love to take you home. Jump in. Okay. Okay. I got in and she said, you know, I want to tell you, first of all, that in the little short period of time that y'all kept our baby, with what happened? I said, your faith walk has totally changed my husband's life. But said, you've changed mine too. See, we look at everything different. And we got to the house. She pulled right up in front of the house. And she said, I told her, well, I sure do appreciate you bringing me right to the front door. And she said, but before you leave, I want something from you. I said, what's that? She said, I want you to lay your hands on my babies and bless them. What a privilege. So I laid my hands on each one of the babies and spoke a prayer of blessing over those children. Now, what do you think I expect God to do when I bless those children? I expect him to bless them babies because he told me I could do that. Now, see, this is the power we've been given through the keys of the kingdom. And it says it gives him great pleasure to give us the keys of the kingdom. We didn't have to buy them. He paid the price and then gave them to us. And then he made all these awesome promises all throughout. Well, when you get a hold of the keys of the kingdom, you won't never be one of those kind of guys ever to say, God doesn't do miracles no more. God doesn't heal anymore. Let me tell you. That devil is deceiving that man. And I am... My heart is broke for that guy. To think he's on national radio and he's written a book about the false revival. And everybody that's a faith man that he named, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, I mean, uh, uh, Price, you name any man that's a man of faith that's well known, he says they're false teachers. I thought, wow. Is that awesome or is that awesome? And then the people that called in, I watched, listened to it for 30 minutes. And the people that called in said, You know, I'm so glad you've wrote this book and I'm so glad I listened to your radio show because I went to a church for a while and they had some people in there that spoke in tongues and they prayed for the sick. And we got out of that church because we knew that's a false teaching. Isn't that something? Is the devil, is he a wicked beast? That devil is a wicked beast. He is a wicked beast. I'm telling you over there in Revelations, when the Word of God says, and the devil has deceived the whole world. We don't give that beast enough credit for his ways of doing business. He is very, very, very sly in the way he does business. And he did a good job on me for a long, long time. Let me ask this question. How many of you, like me, were deceived by the devil for a lot of your life? I'm telling you, every one of us have been deceived by the devil. But when we get into the Word and begin to learn what really belongs to us, then the devil's in trouble. Isn't he, Sherry? Yes, in your house he's in trouble. You don't listen to him no more, do you, girl? Only If it ain't written in the Word, you're not interested in it no more, are you? If Jesus didn't say it, forget it. If it's not in the Word, I'm not interested in what you've got to say. But if it's written in the Word, then I'm interested. But the gospel of the kingdom. And it says, and and when we go on down, And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spoke, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. Well, when you start doing this yourself, that's what a lot of people are going to say about you. <clears throat> you seen a miracle? You really have? Yes. Let me tell you about one or two or 20 or 30 or 50 or 100. Isn't that amazing? I can remember whenever I saw God do a half a dozen healings in one year, somebody asked me one day, "What, Thurman, what's God been doing good in your life this year? I said, man, he can't get no better than this. I've seen about a half a dozen healings this year. It can't get no better than this. Wow, I've seen a half a dozen in thirty minutes since then. Isn't that amazing? What God can do. In fact, one time I'd need to go back and look at that film if I could find it. But it was must have been about two years ago. That Sunday, the Lord just laid on my heart, He said, I won't and we must have had 125 people here that day. He said, I want you to tell everybody here that's got pain, I want them to come up and I'm going to heal every one of them today. You remember that? Yep, I looked out there and I said, you know, I I never had this happen to me, but the Lord just laid on my heart. He says, if you have pain, I said, if you don't have pain, don't come up here. But if you got pain and you're hurting, I want you to come up here and we're going to pray over you. And I thought there'd be three or four people get up. But Wow! There's about 20 of them at least. Maybe 25. There's a big line. I said, well, I got them up here. And I said, well, Lord, what do I do now? And so I just said, get them in a line right here. And they, I just come around right here. I said, one at a time. I said, now I just want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to lay in the arms of Jesus. He's a healer. I'm not. And I said, he's going to heal you. He told me to do this. So each one of them, one by one. I said, now then, I'm supposed to speak to your pain. Where is your pain? Somebody said, my head or my back or my hip or my arm. And I said, I rebuke that pain in the name of Jesus and command it to leave in Jesus' name. And somebody said, whoa, my pain just left. I said, Jesus is healing you right now. The pain's gone. That's the first indication that he's in the process of your healing. And did you know everybody that was up here that day got healed? Every one of them. It took two hours, though. We went through that two hours, and everybody there got healed. And several weeks later, I said, is there anybody here that was up here that Sunday And eight or ten hands that go up out there. I said, are you still healed? And every one of them said, yes. Isn't God awesome? When's the last time you've seen that in a church? You don't know. I had never seen that happen before in my life in a church I'd been in. Nowhere. But that's what Jesus wants to do when you believe him. The keys of the kingdom. He's the healer. And he's going on here and saying, and after he cast out, and the Pharisees said he cast out devils about through the prince of the devils. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> what we say in verse 35, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Here it is again, Matthew nine thirty-five. He's preaching the gospel, or the good news of the kingdom. How in the world do we miss this? How can you read the Bible all these years and miss these mighty things? He gives us the keys. And here they are. But you've got to go out and dig in his book to find them. And then as you find each one of them keys, somewhere along the line, you found the key to salvation. And it was a free gift. And when you stuck your key in in his lock and you turned it, his was already open so you got saved. That's how easy it was. Well, when I found that key about 20 years ago for divine healing, and it was that magnificent word right there, sozo. That was the key. When I learned that that word, sozo, means not only saved, but it means healed, made whole, delivered, and preserved. When I learned that word meant all those things, that was the key that 20 plus years ago that I got that in my spirit by faith, and I received the king as my healer, And then I started going out telling everybody, Praise God! You're looking at a guy that received Jesus as his healer last night, and I am never going to have another sick day as long as I live. And you know what they did to me? They laughed at me. They laughed at me. I said, You guys can laugh if you want I had one Baptist preacher. After I went off, he said, Oh, that's okay. He said, Y'all just remember, Thurman's always been a little on the religious fanatical side. But next time he gets sick we'll all laugh at him. Is that awesome? It should never be that way in the kingdom. But unfortunately, that's the way we do business. Well, let me tell you. I learned a key. I found a key. I dug that bugger out, and I put it in that lock, and I turned it 20 years ago, and I've not had a sick day since then. Not one. I thought of myself yesterday afternoon. I guess it's yesterday. They, they sat it, didn't it? So, Friday. I was out there on top of of a, I'm building a tractor shed, and we had a bunch of 30 foot two by four, full two by four, 14 gauge C purlings up on top of it. I went out there yesterday afternoon at five o'clock, and I started placing, I marked off where they're supposed to go, and I went up there, and I'm up, up on ladders and everything else, and I got a truck out there where I can get on it, and I am leaning, at times the truck would be four foot away from the, where one of those uprights were, and I'd be on the top of that and have my feet over there on the edge of the truck, and I'd reach over four foot and grab that, and then I'd lean my arm over and I'm stretched out at a sixty degree angle, and I'm welding. Holding, holding on one hand, holding on my toes over here, over open air, and I'm welding. I get through, and I take that, raise my hood up, and I push myself back across that four foot, and I come around the other side and do the same thing. And I thought, wow. For a 66-year-old guy, this ain't bad. Do you know it? This ain't bad. going to be 67 very shortly. I thought, but you know, that's another key of the kingdom. I learned the key to the kingdom in in, uh, uh, Psalm 103, verse 5. And he renews my youth daily like the eagles. If he renews my youth daily like the eagles, I'm not going to be like the guy I walked up Thursday when I went over to get some electrical parts. I went into the electric supply house and I'm getting these electrical parts and all of a sudden I heard a guy say, Thurman Scrivener. I turned around, I said, hey brother, praise God, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing good, but he said, and he reached up and patted his sif, his belly's about this big. He reached up and patted his he said, I'm just getting old and fat. I said, you're getting old and fat? I said, how old are you? Oh, he said, I'm old. How old are you? He said, I'm 46. He's seeing himself. Old and fat at forty six. I told him, I said, You know, you need to get in church. He said, My wife goes to church. I said, Does she tithe? He said, Oh yeah, she likes to give. I said, I'm going to tell you the only reason you're blessed is because you got a woman. I said, You better go home and tell that woman tonight how much you love her. I said, Because she's the only thing that's keeping you going. I said, You're a lazy, worthless critter and you need to get in church. Isn't that amazing? 46 years old sees himself as old and fat. Well, I'm 66, nerdy 67, and I see myself as young and slim. Eh? What can I do? Jesus said, To them that believe, all things are possible to them that believe. I mean, I've seen guys that wouldn't even think about getting up there where I was yesterday stretched out across there with a welding helmet on and a, and, a, and a striking arc and welding those beams. We was talking the other day about Wendy and some of the girls and the guys were talking about things out at the ministry center. And I said, you know what's wrong with y'all? I said, y'all are a bunch of wimps. <laughs> I said y'all need to start believing God she said, Thurman, she said Pastor Thurman We'll just stay for you So I said okay <laughs> She's a precious little lady But you know You've got to see yourself As you can do these things Nothing is impossible with you As a son or a daughter of the king Is it? No When you get these keys to the kingdom It'll change your life Will it? Yes, the keys are the key when you learn. I mean, I see men all the time. Go to church? Uh, uh, my wife goes to church. I mean, I was a while I go just to please her. Boy, you don't have a clue what's going on. Oh, yeah, Thurman, I mean, I work, you know. I mean, I got more important things to do than go to church. And then when he's 40 years old or 50 years old and he's laying at home with terminal cancer and he's dying, Oh, that guy Thurman Scrivener, he used to pray for the sick and they got healed. Somebody go get him. Mm -hmm. Now then, the one that spent the time in the Word, they're looking for you now. They want you now. And God is merciful. And He heals them a lot of times. It's It's wonderful how merciful God is when we're not that way. You know, when we go out. If He wasn't so merciful, forget it. Forget it. You know, people come here once in a while to a healing school and want me to pray for them. And I said, well, wait till the service is over. Well, I can't stay. I, I got to go. I mean, are you going to stay for the first time? Well, no, I really need to just get you to pray for me. I need to go. Are you in church anywhere? Well, no, I don't have time to go to church. Oh, you don't? T-? No, no. I said, you know, you're going to have to seek God and put him first or you ain't never going to get well. You know. I mean, I can pray for you and Jesus healed heal you, but you can't stay that way. You'll get sick again. The you know, only way you can stay well is if you realize that healing was given to you on the cross by Jesus, and then you're going to have to learn the Word because you're going to have to take the Word to punch the devil out or you're going to be sick all of your life. But when you get a hold of it, it is a war going on. When He said, I give you the keys of the kingdom, let me tell you, when you reach out to get one of them keys... It's not that easy to reach over and just pick it up. That devil's going to do everything he can to keep that key just as far from you as he can. He's going to put everything in your path. He knows what your weakness is. And if it's a football game on Saturday afternoon, then instead of reaching out and getting that key, he's going to say, but just think, your favorite team's playing right down here in Dallas today. You better go see." Remember, they only do this once a year. Your favorite team. But next week, he'll be your favorite team again, see? He'll do everything he can to keep you out of the kingdom of God. He's really good at what he does. Really good. He is the great deceiver. But Jesus went up preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. How many? Every one. You think it's God's will to heal you? Of course. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. That's the way we are today in the church. We don't have very many shepherds, unfortunately, today that's teaching the keys of the kingdom or the gospel of the kingdom. Just like we had a man here from the Church of Christ the other day. He said, I got a hold of your teaching, and I went to my church and I told him I said right here is written in James 5:14 and 15 that if I'll ask you guys to anoint me with oil and pray the prayer of faith for me God will heal me he said it's a guarantee and he said well they said okay so they anointed me with oil and prayed the prayer of faith and then they sh- assured me that the best thing for me to do was get to the doctor as quick as I could <laughs> who, who heard that testimony anybody here today heard that testimony you heard it didn't you sure all heard it but he said, in God's infinite mercy, since I went and asked you, he healed me anyway before I got to the doctor. Didn't he, Sherry? He said, God healed me. So whose faith was it that got him healed? His own. It certainly wasn't the pastor and that boss that prayed for him down at that church. Because they prayed for him and told him, you know, whatever you do with what you got, get down to that doctor as quick as you can. Do you think they believed God? No. But did he? Yes, he did. And God was merciful to him with a little bit of faith that he had. He believed, and the Lord healed him. And whatever he had, he come up here and give us a testimony and said it was gone. When they went to do the test, it was completely gone. Wow! Just think what God would do for us if we really prayed in faith. He would just do awesome things. But he says, look at verse 37 in Matthew 9. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, But the labors are few. Why are they so few? Because he tells you what to do. Pray you, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. If we don't pray. I pray that so often. Lord, send the proper labors into your harvest to bring people in to get them saved, healed, and delivered. Because guess what? He has limited himself on this earth to what you and I pray. If we don't pray the prayer of faith for people, it doesn't happen. If we don't kick out devils in their lives, it doesn't happen. Little Caleb that day, a little nine-month-old baby, did you know he could have still had that tormenting spirit? He's, he must be four years old. Five years. No, oh gosh, older than that now. He must be six. But he could have still had that tormenting spirit all of these years, but when he was nine months old, When I knew this this is not normal for a little child to scream and kick all day and not eat, not sleep. So I just said, Father, in the name of Jesus, what's wrong with Caleb? And immediately, immediately I heard, tormenting spirit. Tormenting spirit. How much power and authority do we as Christians have over the tormenting spirits? So don't you think it's time we drive them out? Yes. We drive them out. And so when we drive them out you do something in faith this is one of the keys of the kingdom that God has given you to drive out evil spirits think about this key this key in the kingdom in Mark sixteen seventeen, and these signs shall follow them that believe in my name you shall cast out devils why does the church not believe that promise? We got that blinders or something on, don't we? Jesus is the one who told us to do these things. And we don't believe it. Look at Matthew twenty four, thirteen. Matthew twenty four, thirteen. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now that's scary. Endure to the end. I mean, Lord, that don't mean I can come down and make you savior of my life and then I can come to church for three months and then I can go back out there in the world and I can live and drink and smoke and cuss and live with somebody out of wedlock and all those things because you're gracious and merciful and you're not going to do anything to me. Am I going to get to go to heaven if I do all that stuff? You know what the Lord says? No. He says the ones that are drunkards, the ones that are revelers, those that or adulterers, and fornicators, and unclean, and all this. I tell you, as I've told you before, these people that do these things shall not inherit the kingdom. That's scary, isn't it? So guess what? I want to be one of those that is out here doing what he says I'm supposed to be doing as a kingdom child. I want to be winning souls. I want to be kicking out devils. I want to be healing the sick. I want to be cleansing the lepers. I want to be raising the dead. That's what he told us to do. Now so far to this point, I've only seen one raised from the dead. I know that's a lack of faith on my part. Only one. He'd only been dead less than a half hour. But only one raised from the dead. We should all be kicking out devils, healing the sick, cleansing lepers, and raising the dead. Because that's what he told us to do. These are part of the keys of the kingdom. But we don't do it. Most of us don't even win people to Jesus. I could ask you a question, but I won't. I will ask you, but I won't ask you to hold up your hand. I don't want to intimidate you. Because if you'd asked me this question a few years ago, I'd have had to said, when somebody says, How many people have you won to Jesus in the last month? I'd had to say none. Well, how many people have you won to Jesus in the last year? Well, none. Well, how many people have you won to Jesus in the last 20 years? None. What? And you're a son of God? What's wrong with you? Well, I didn't think there was nothing wrong with me. But obviously I was not being obedient to the commands of Christ and the keys of the kingdom. Because I'm supposed to be out winning souls, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, and raising the dead. These are the keys of the kingdom. But I wasn't doing it. But I have done all of those things now, but only one on the raising from the dead. Only one. Oh, I wish I could stand up here today and say, Wow, I've seen 50 people raised from the dead when I touched them in the name of Jesus. Jesus. But I can remember a time when I said, I wished I could see one, just one, that's been healed. And I wished I could say I'd seen one miracle. And I couldn't. But now then, on the miracles, I've seen many of them. And on the healings, I've seen thousands of them. What did I do? I got a hold of the keys. And I started using them. And they work. And it's fun. It's fun to use the keys of the kingdom and see God do these wonderful things. Awesome. And of course the people on the other end love it. I mean, my own honey bunny up here, her feet, she loves it. Her knee don't go out no more, she loves it. I mean, all the things. I mean, whenever she gets anything goes wrong with her, I mean, she can get what she calls a zit. She can panic, go and look in the mirror. Ah, honey, come in here quick. I think, good grief, what's wrong? The world's falling apart. I said, what's wrong, honey? She said, you see that little teeny zip right there between my eyes? Oh, yeah, if I get close, There is a little. She said, pray over that. I don't want that there. Isn't that amazing? What, what, what did the king say you could pray for? Sure, anything. You don't have to take that. So we lay hands on him, and pray for it, and he goes away. Isn't it wonderful to find the keys of the kingdom? See? When you find the keys of the kingdom, it's so awesome. But Jesus went about preaching the good news of the kingdom and all about these keys that he'd given us. Then he says, listen to what he says in Mark 1.13. In Mark one thirteen, And he was there in the wilderness, forty days tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him, Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. You know, it's amazing how many times I read those scriptures. And then finally one day I thought, you know, I've always said the gospel is the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection. And that is good news that he did do that. But Jesus was preaching the good news or the gospel of the kingdom and he definitely was not preaching his death, burial, and resurrection. So there's got to be a whole lot more to this good news of the kingdom than the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Because I remember in the end he told his guys, said, now guys, I'm going to Jerusalem to die on the cross. Peter said, no, 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 it shall never be. He said, get behind me, Satan. He said, I'm going to go. But don't tell nobody. What? If that's the good news, why isn't he telling somebody? Because he didn't want it told. So the good news of the kingdom he preached for three years was we have dominion. We have power. We have authority over these spirits. He is going to give you and me that power. And he now, he demonstrated that as a son of God with no sin in his life. He showed us what we could do as sons of God. Was he the Son of God? Are we sons of God? Yes. So when Jesus went about preaching the keys of the kingdom and the good news of the kingdom, casting out devils, healing the sick, and all the things he did, then he stepped over to you and me and made this awesome statement in John fourteen twelve. You know what that says, don't you, brother? You quoted that to me a while ago. Jesus said, Do anyone that believes in me Not only shall you do what I have been doing, but greater things than these that I've done shall you do in my name. Wow! Now, we don't believe that one, unfortunately, but we're going to start believing it, right? We are going to start believing The church is going to start believing these promises. I'm going to speak that by faith. The church is going to start believing the promises of God. Somebody, in fact, I, I, was, I got really tickled the other day when I was out at GLC. I walked into GLC the other afternoon at 7.30, getting ready to go on live at 8 o'clock. And there was a gentleman there that was older than me, or I think he was older than me. He looked older than me. He might not have been older than me. <clears throat> but anyway, he was up there, he had a few years on him. When I walked in, he stood up and he reached over and said, Thurman Scrivener, I want to just shake your hand. I said, well, certainly, sir. I reached out, and he grabbed my both hands. And he said, I just want to touch a man that's walked in the power you've walked in. I said, wow. Did that humble me? Oh, God. This man wants to touch me? I'm nobody, an old engineer. But, Lord, I am somebody. I'm a son of God. And I've walked in your power. And I believed it. And this man just wants to touch me. I said, well, Lord, bless him so that he can do these same things in the name of Jesus. See, if he'll spend the time in the Word learning these keys like I did, has God to respect your persons? No. He'll do the same thing for you when you praise. he does for me when you get the keys, right? Now then, if there's anything ever Christian should have, he should have a great big key cabinet. And he needs to really have them keys close. You need to have all the keys of the kingdom. Every time you learn one of these new promises, you hang it on a peg in your key cabinet. You see where I'm coming from? Woo, Lord, look at the keys to the kingdom. Here's what Matthew 18, 19, Lord, this is a key to the kingdom. Lord, Mark 16, uh, verse 17, I can cast out devils. That's a key to the kingdom. And you also said in the next verse, verse 18, a key to the kingdom. I can lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. That's a key to the kingdom. Isn't it wonderful, all these keys? Think how many He give us. There's many of those. So the keys of the kingdom. Well, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about the healing power of Jesus some more this afternoon. But what, what, I tell you what we're going to do before we take our break. We're going to ask you, if you want to give to our ministry, as we take up our little offering here, we ask you to bless our ministry Because God's going to bless you if you will give. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, Sharon's going to help Cheryl to take up our Father in the name of Jesus. As the people give to your ministry, we ask you to bless them and the gift and bless them abundantly with whatever they share with us. Because it's your ministry. So Lord, thank you for the gift and thank you for returning to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Cheryl and Sharon. Well, if you need an envelope where you can have a record, uh, they'll give you an envelope. And then we're going to take, as soon as we take up the offering, we'll take about a 15 or 20 minute break. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk some more about some more of these absolute, magnificent, wonderful keys to the kingdom and what we can do as children of God and how we can heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. You got to start thinking like that, though. You got to start thinking like God, if you want to see Him do great and wonderful things. The keys are there for you. All you've got to do is believe it. Praise the King. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, just if uh, we got a we got a donation box over there too that. If you don't get your gift in the bag as it comes around, you can put it in the donation box later. We'll be okay. We appreciate it, however you do that. And once the offering is taken, you're released for about 15 or 20 minutes. And we'll come back right after this and we'll continue on with the healing school. Praise the King! you for the privilege to take the second session this afternoon on the healing school. Lord, we thank you for healing every one of us on the cross 2,000 years ago. Now then, you've given us this power, you've given us these keys, and we're going to take away from the devil by force what rightfully belongs to us. Now Lord, we're going to take these keys of the kingdom, we're going to put them in our pocket, and we're going to walk out, and we're going to reach in our pocket, and we're going to turn these things every time we see somebody with a need. And we're going to see you do great and mighty things because you told us to go out and do these things. So, Lord, as the Father sent you, you're sending us to go and do likewise. So, Lord, that's what we're supposed to be doing. So, Lord, we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. Now then, so what is the gospel of the kingdom? What is the gospel of the kingdom? It is all power and dominion given to us on the earth. The gospel of the kingdom is all power. The children of God, the sons of God, all power and all authority has been given to us over everything on the earth. I mean, when you really get into the keys to the kingdom, you really think about what you can do. In fact, I think about this lady. I was, on one of my teachings, I was talking about a guy had called me and wanted me to pray for his car. I prayed for several problems with cars and seen many mighty miracles, f- fixing or healing of cars. Uh, it's been amazing what I have seen. But I'll tell I'll tell you one. One time I was up in Tennessee, uh, see, Nash- Nashville, Miss, anywhere, wherever it was, I was up either in Mississippi, Tennessee, or somewhere, and I went to get a truck. The company I was working for, somebody had stolen one of our new trucks. And they took it up and left it on a parking lot, a great big high-dollar, uh, high-lift catering truck for the company I work for. And we finally found it. And so I drove up there in my car. I took a few tools with me. I thought, well, I'll just go up there and see what the truck needs. And maybe I can get some, a shop around there somewhere to fix all the things so we can get it driven back here to Dallas. So I went up there and I looked. And when I looked at the truck, the ignition key was non-existent. I couldn't find an ignition key. Well, it's got one well, of them locking steering wheels, and so you can't do nothing without the key. And so I thought, well, I'll run over to the Ford house and see if they have the number of the VIN number, and maybe they've got a key that'll fit it. I went over, and it was one year before they started keeping that record. He said, we, the year after that when we have those codes and we can cut you a key for any one. But for that year model, we don't have it. He said, I'm not sure I've even got an ignition key for that truck. He goes back and Lucy come comes back and said, I've got one complete cylinder with two keys. One key. One cylinder with two keys. That means we've got to pull everything apart. I've got to get it to a shop. Get the steering wheel all pulled. All the mass jacket pulled out to put all this stuff in. So I take that. And I go over there to where the truck is, and I start toward the right side of the truck, and I pull the key out of that cylinder, and I hold it up, and I said, Father, you said in the name of Jesus to ask anything. So I'm asking you to let this key fit that ignition switch and turn it on perfect. In the name of Jesus, now I want to thank you it's done as I'm walking. And I opened the door and reached across the right side, stuck it in and said, Thank you, Lord. And it turned that key right on and worked perfect in the name of Jesus. Now that's faith. That's one of the keys of the kingdom, right? Now just think, what did the king say we could ask him for? I mean, we sure do limit him, don't we? I mean, somebody said, well, good grief, I would never dream you could ask him for a key to fit a truck. Well, shame on you. Then that means you're going to have to send it down and get a new cylinder put in, and it's going to cost you a couple of hundred bucks that it didn't cost me. Because you didn't have the faith to ask. You didn't have the knowledge. You didn't have those keys of the kingdom hidden in your heart. And so, you got beat up on by the enemy. So, listen to this one. Matthew chapter 8, verse 21. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, Matthew 8:23. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. He wasn't very concerned, was he? "The ship is full of water." And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, "Lord, save us because we perish." Now, is their confession right or wrong? It's wrong. Are we ready to perish? No. That should never be our confession. In the new covenant, the Lord hold us, told us to hold fast to our confession. Well, I don't know about you, but I, don't hold, I do not want to hold fast to confession that I'm fixing to perish. I want to hold fast a confession. Praise God, I'm strong. I'm healed. I'm young. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. That's the confession I want to hang on to, don't you, brother? Because that's what's written in the Word. And so when we hold on to the Word, And He said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? O you of little faith! Now see, that's what's wrong with us today. O you of little faith. In fact, the church needs to go from no faith to a little faith first. And then they need to go on up from there. Because at least the church I've been associated with all my life, we have no faith. Not little. We have none. But we're going to get it. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. We're going to to have great faith before this is over. We're going to continue to confess. He says, Then he arose, and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. What? He rebuked the winds and the waves, and they quieted down? But the men marveled saying, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? That's another one of the keys of the kingdom. In fact, I had a great testimony the other day of a lady from California. Her and her children had been listening to our teachings. They were going on a trip, to a cruise to Honolulu. She said the second day out, the seas were so rough that even some of the crew were sick. She said, it was a terrible day. She said, my 11-year-old son, about halfway through the day, he said, Mama, I've had all this, I can stand. He said, let's go up on the deck and we're going to take care of this in the name of Jesus. She said, my son and, and our family, we went up on the deck and he just throwed his finger out there and said, Now, in the name of Jesus, I command this sea to be still and these winds to stop blowing. In Jesus' name. He said, it's written. We have this authority. He said, I've been listening to Brother Thurman's teachings, and he's teaching what Jesus said, and Jesus, you said it, and he said it, so I believe both of you. So in the name of Jesus, it's quiet. And he said, he stopped and said, nothing changed as far as we can tell. He said, Mama, it's done. Let's just start praising God. So they all threw their hands up and started praising and worshiping the Lord. And she said, "In Thurman, a few minutes that sea was just as calm as it could be. She said, we went the rest of that trip over and back and no rough seas. She said, I know the Lord's going to use my 11-year-old mightily. I said, it sounds to me like he's using pretty mightily already. But the 11-year-old is getting a hold of the keys to the kingdom. Jesus said, oh, you have no faith. But if you had faith, you could speak to the winds and the waves. And that obey you. And these men marveled, what kind of a man is this? That's exactly what he was, a man. A man walking in the anointing of God's power that's been given to every one of us as children of God. Stop thinking like man and woman and start thinking like God. And then start asking him for some of the things he said we could have, right? And when you do, wow, you get to see the king do awesome things. I think about this little lady and her husband that came up here a while ago and she's had a lump in her breast. I think about, and we, we rebuke that thing, but I think about another woman that come up here here one day that she came up with a lump in her breast and she wanted, She said, Thurman, I have two sons and both of them are doctors. I know what I'm going to do or know what they're going to do if I tell either one of them, Mama's got a lump in my breast. She said, they're going to swoop me off down to the hospital do surgery on me. And she said, I don't want that. So she said, I want you to command that thing to leave in the name of Jesus. I said, tell you what, woman. I said, you've been coming here for six or eight months. You know the word of God now. I said, I want you to go home this afternoon. I want you to literally take your blouse off or whatever. And I want you to lay your hand on that lump. I said, if you have to take your bra off, whatever you have to do, but lay your hand on that lump. Then I want you to quote Luke 10, 19, and 20. And I want you to command that lump to leave you in the name of Jesus. She said, I'll do it. Next Sunday she walked in. When she walked in the door, she had her head down like this. I said, what's wrong with you? She said, I can't believe what I did. I said, what do you mean? I said, did you do what I told you to do? Yes. I went home last Sunday afternoon after church. She said, I laid my hand on the lump. And I read the verse, and I commanded it to leave. And she said, but to my surprise, it disappeared instantly under my hand. She said, when it went away, I looked, and it was gone. And I said, Lord, I can't believe this. (laughs) And then she said, Lord, this is unbelievable. I can't believe this. And she said, Thurman, I said it the third time. And when it did it come back bigger? When God says you're supposed to do something with no doubt, do you think He means that? What she should have done was jumped up and said, praise God, exactly what I thought. But she didn't. So she said, I've tried and tried this week and nothing happens. I said, okay, I will pray for you. So I laid my hands on her shoulders, rebuked it, and I said, it's gone. I said, whatever you do, don't doubt it. She said, don't worry, I won't. I said, and when it goes away this time... Don't say, I can't believe it. She said, Thurman, I have learned my lesson. I said, so start praising him now that it's gone. And so she did. Next Sunday she walked in. I said, well, she said, it's not gone yet physically, but said it's gone. The next Sunday she walked in. She said, this week the manifestation happened. It's no longer there. It's gone. And it never came back. When Jesus gave us the keys of the kingdom, how much power did he give us over the devil? What is it we don't understand about this word, all? I mean, I think we need to do a word study on the word all, don't you, brother? Isn't that that a shame? That's a shame. That's just like this young man sitting here, a young man named McClintock. His daddy is a Baptist preacher, Tom. Or not a Baptist, but a preacher. And I don't know what denomination, maybe none, I don't know. But his dad, Tom, came with Tommy, the owner of Gibson's, over to my ministry center. And I spent five hours with these two men, teaching them the Word of God. Now, Tommy, he had cancer. Uh, he had all kinds of problems. He had a carpal tunnel in both hands. He couldn't make a fist. And after five hours of teaching, I said, now do you, five or six, what it was, I said, do you believe God? He said, yes. I said, then stand up. And as Tommy's trying to get up, I jumped out of my chair and lunged at him. And he jumped back when he saw me lunging. And I hit him right in the chest with the palm of my hand and said, Come out of him, you devil of hell, in the name of Jesus. I said, Now you're healed. Praise God. He said, Wow. I said, Make a fist. And his carpal tunnel was instantly healed. The next day he called me and said, I'm supposed to go to MD Anderson for a checkup. They're supposed to tell me how much chemo and radiation I'm supposed to have. What do I do? I said, well, do you believe you're healed? He said, yes. I said, healed people don't need chemo. I said, nobody really needs chemo. All it does is kill you. So he didn't go and he stayed two months and finally two months later, or three months, whatever it was, they called him wanting him to come down for a checkup just to see. He told them, said, I'm healed. They said, you can't be healed. We've got to verify this with a test. So he went down there and they verified it with a test and there was no... No cancer at all. And he he has been completely healed. In fact, his Tom, uh, this young man's dad, whenever Tommy called me and told me what the situation was, there was no cancer. I said, have you told Tom yet? He said, yes. I said, well, what's Tom doing? He said, Tom's over here screaming, give me somebody to preach a word to. (laughs) I mean, it lit Tom McClintock's fire. Well, that's what we want to do is light people's fire. We want men and women to preach the word with power and fire because God's given us the keys of the kingdom. And he didn't cut us short for nothing. Then he says, uh, let's see. Listen at the rest of this verse. And after he cast, after he commanded the winds and the waves with these keys of the kingdom, when he came to the other side in the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Ought thou come hither to torment us before the time? Listen to that wonderful statement. They knew Jesus could torment them. Here they were tormenting these two men that don't have the power, that they have power over because they were born in sin. These tormenting spirits are tormenting the fool out of them. But when the first righteous and holy man walks up, they say, have you come to torment us? Well, how does Jesus see us once we get saved? Just as if we had never sinned. So can we torment these devils? Yes, we can torment these devils. One of these devils comes to you You make sure you have no sin in your life. You make sure you have ever sinned repented of. You're walking holy before God. And when you do, then you can take your Bible, the Word of God, and lay it up on somebody. And I've done it. I've had people have demons in them, and I'd lay the Word of God on them, and I said, angels torment them. And I've seen people, in fact, I've seen them right here in this church, fall on the floor and spread out. In fact, one day there was a woman laying right over here on the floor, stretched out. Sure, he might have been there with her, I don't know. But that woman was stretched out. And laying on the floor, their face right down on the floor, tight on the floor. And I'd been praying for somebody that looked over and I said, Good grief, what's going on over here? And I started over and I said, Is there something wrong with you, ma'am? And that woman says, I know that voice. She makes me listen to that voice. I hate that voice. She makes me listen to them tapes. I hate that voice. I walked up and said, Come out of her, you devil of hell, in the name of Jesus. And he left and she was totally delivered. Isn't that amazing? The devils of hell. But people said, but a, a Christian can't have one. Oh, yeah, a Christian can have one. That's your problem. You have them, and when you have them, you need to repent of your sins, and then you need to drive them out yourself or get somebody to help you. But you can do it. Look what Jesus said there. And he said, And and behold, they cried out, If you come to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding so the devils besought him and said, If you cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of pigs. And he said unto them, Go! What a command. Go! And the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. And there was 2,000 pigs. How many Demons. That's a lot of demons, isn't it? And they were in two men. And at the command of Jesus, those demons left. Just like Matthew 9 2 says, And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, being on a bed, and Jesus seeing their faith. Now, can you get people healed through your faith? Yes, you can. If you bring people to Jesus, they may not have any faith at all, but He'll see your faith. And, what, and I've seen this many times. I've spoken over people, all kinds of people, that had no faith, and I've seen some awesome miracles. I've seen God do awesome things. When you speak His Word, and you speak it in faith, nothing wavering, you can see the Lord do great and awesome miracles. I mean... Right here it says, when, they, when he saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. The sin, is sin what brings sickness and disease into your body? Is sin the culprit that brings sickness and disease into your body? Yes, yes it is. Definitely is. That's what it is. When Jesus forgave this boy for his sins, his palsy was healed. Now, what kind of sin was it? Well, we don't know. Jesus just said, your sins be forgiven. Other places in the Word, He says, if you don't sin, the devil can't touch you. In fact, Psalms 91 under the law is the clearest one you could possibly get. If you make Him the most, High God your dwelling place, and you say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my strength, and you walk holy before Him. He said, then I will protect you from the snare of the fowler. I will protect you. And he says, no raging epidemic, no plague, no sickness, no disease shall come near you. He said, even a thousand shall fall at one hand and ten thousand at the other hand. But you'll just sit with your eyes. It won't come near you. Can you walk through the fire and not be burned if you're walking in obedience to the Word? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Do you know Christians Maybe the Lord may be training us right now to get us prepared to walk in a point where that we won't be burned in case something like that were to happen? Did you know that we really don't know what tomorrow holds? We really don't know. I mean, we've seen some pretty devastating things hit America the last year, haven't we? Now then, how many men and women of faith... First of all, how many Christians you think lived in the confines of all that area of all the destruction? Many. Really, many. wonder how many of them lost their homes. Many. But those that really knew God and really knew His Word. How many testimonies... We've had a few of those testimonies right here. I've seen some of them on Daystar and some on TBN already where people will say... We believed God. I mean, we even lived in a mobile home park. And our mobile home didn't have any damage, but yet the rest of them was completely gone. Well, not a single one of them left. Ours didn't have any damage whatsoever. Or one guy said, our house, it didn't didn't lose a shingle. But yet the houses on all of us, there ain't nothing left but a slab. We stood on God's Word. Wow. What a difference, huh? Well, the day may be coming when the church... The real church, the church that learns these principles that stand on God's word, we may have to stand through those kind of trials and tests that the devil brings upon this world. And when they start seeing what happens to us, I mean, what are they saying right now about this bird flu? If this flu comes, they're going to use the military to isolate the areas? Martial law? Hey, as a Christian, what kind of fear should we have over the bird flu? <laughs> no, You don't need nothing. I mean, just like years ago when they said, we give you free flu shots. When I got older, the Word of God, I said, forget that nonsense. I don't need no flu shot. All I need is Jesus. Well, Thurman, you'll be sick. I said, you hide and watch. <laughs> I ain't going to be made sick. I said, I don't live under the law of sin and death. I live under the law of the Spirit of life. And under the law of the spirit of life, there is no sickness and no disease. So I don't live under that. Under the law of sin and death is where sickness is at. But under the law of the spirit of life, there is no sickness. You have a question? No. Oh, okay. Hold it. If you got a comment, let me get the mic so it'll be on the tape. Yep. We, we as Christians, are going to have to learn these mighty things. Yes, ma'am.
1: Flu vaccines are under the law of sickness and death. There is an internationally known epidemiologist and immunologist by the name of Dr. Fudenborg, who has followed people in the 80s who had flu shots every year. And now that they're older, they're coming down with Alzheimer's ten times the rate of people who only had one or two flu shots in the decade.
0: Wow. Amazing what we learn, isn't it? You know, I hate to say this. I know that we've got some good doctors out there and some people that are doing some wonderful things. But I don't know of a single drug that's on the market today that doesn't have some kind of a side effect. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at some of them, it says, you know, this will help settle your stomach, but it has been known to cause heart failure. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> and you think I'm going to put that in my body? You've got to be out of your mind. I'm telling you, I know a great physician that knows more about this body than anybody in the universe, don't you? And his name is Jesus. He made it. He knows what makes it work. And i know, he takes good care of this body. So I don't need nobody but Jesus, really. But, uh, Wow. Now then, let's look at some of these magnificent promises on these keys in Matthew 9:27. Let's look at this one. And when Matthew 9:27, And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thy son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yes, Lord. Now, see, that's our problem today. See, each one of us that are children of the king, who are we representing? Jesus. Who is in us? Christ. So the same Jesus that was here two thousand years ago walked in his earth. Healing, he's in every one of us. His spirit's there, so he sent us to do the same thing. So when somebody walks up and This is what's so devastating. You go to a man's house. You teach him the Word. Four or five hours. And then he's had cancer. And they've already done surgery on him. And they want him to come back for another one. Another test or probably more surgery. And you go over and teach him what the Word says. And then you pray for him. And then he goes back for the test. And there's no cancer. And so, man, he comes to you in church. Praising God. Lord. I mean, Thurman, this is awesome. The prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's just a shame we can't find very many righteous men anymore. But he's hysterically happy because he got healed. And then five years later, somebody said something, and I said, Well, you know, uh, I prayed for this guy, and he got healed. That's why he don't have the cancer. And he turns and looks at you and said, If you think because you come over to my house... And you prayed a prayer over me, and that's why my cancer's gone. He said, you must think I'm crazy. What do you do with people like that? you love them. you love them. And you know what you want to do to people like that? Yeah, you want to kill them, right? But that's not God's way. That's the devil's way, right, Sharon? <laughs> See, you miss it. Jesus. What did Jesus command you to do, girl? Have, how many, Am I going to have to get Cheryl's Bible beat you over the head with it or what? <laughs> That's not love either, is it? <laughs> but isn't it amazing when somebody in the church doesn't do what we want, what do we want to do with them? Let's attack them. Let's get them. No, let's love them. That's what Jesus said, right? Love them. See, you're right, Sherrod. You got to, to come back for another shot, girl. <laughs> but love, love, love—it's so hard to walk in love. It's easy to love people when they're good to you. It's whenever they're mean to you and say something you don't like—that's when it's hard to love them. But that's when you step out of a love walk with God. That's when you lose all your keys, that, and you don't want to lose your keys. You know, y'all you know what it's like when you reach in your pocket and you're getting ready to go home and. There ain't no keys. Oh, my Lord. And you go out there look, and they're still in the car. And the doors are all locked. That's even, that's worse. But that happens too. But these men believed and then Jesus touched their eyes saying, according to your faith. According to whose faith? Yours, not his. According to your faith. Did they believe him? Yes, they did. So if they believed him, and then they got their miracle, right? According to their faith. So you've got to believe him. Then he says, And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightway charged him, saying, See that no man knows them. Isn't it amazing how he didn't want nobody to know about the miracles? But when they departed, <laughs> they spread abroad the fame in all the country. they told everybody, Isn't it amazing how we're so disobedient? We won't, tell them, we won't keep these things. We're going to be out there. And they went out, and behold, they brought to him a man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitude marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. These are keys of the kingdom. Jesus cast out these spirits. Can you cast out devils? Yes, yes you can. In verse 35 it says, And Jesus went abroad or went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, if Jesus is preaching the gospel of the kingdom and is building people's faith to the point that all of them can receive healing and deliverance, it must be pretty good stuff, right? It must be good stuff. So well, that's what he's trying to teach us. He's trying to teach us that all dominion and all power and all authority on this earth has been given to us as his obedient sons and daughters. He's trying to tell you that if you're out there someday and a tornado's come into your house, make sure you've got all your sins repented of, and don't wait till you see it and say, "Oh God, I, hadn't been, I, I wasn't good to my wife last night. I kicked her out of the house. I got really mad at her last night." So Lord, I'm, don't, Lord, forgive me. No, 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 no. Walk in love all the time. Is that where God wants you to be? Yes. Now, don't don't say, well, because that guy didn't do it right, we're going to get him. You know, because that's that's where the flesh lives. Isn't it? Is that where the flesh lives? Of course that's where the flesh lives. You know, it's just so easy. I mean, it's easy. It's so easy to love people when they love you. But when they don't say something... That, you know, feels good to you. It's so easy to retaliate, you know. But that's when you step out of that love walk. You've got to love your mate, men and women. You've got to love your mate 24-7. Not part of the time. All the time. So, if you want to see God do wonderful things. Now then, what happens when you have little or no faith? What happens? With little or no faith. Well, let's look at an example here in Matthew 14. Let's go to verse 25. In Matthew 14:25, with little or no faith. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Now, do you think he had little or no faith? He had a lot, didn't he? He had a lot of faith because he's walking on the water. Now, I feel like I have great faith at times, but I've never been able to walk on water unless it's frozen. <laughs> so far, I've not, not walked on liquid water. I have heard of people that have done it, but I've never done it. But one of these days, I'm going to. That's my confession. One of these days, I'm going to walk on water. Jesus walked on water. He said that I can do the same things He did. I'm going to walk on water. Praise the King. I'm going to do it. And in the fourth watch, and then he says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it be you, bid me come unto you on the water. And so he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, the next time you start to condemn Peter for something, you think about the faith this guy had. Now, next time you start to say, well, Peter denied him three times. I would have never done that. Stop and say, hmm. But Peter, he had faith to walk on water. Have you walked on the water lately? If you haven't, then I suggest you not condemn Peter. You know, because you better say, Lord, I want that kind of faith. I want the same kind of faith he has. But he's walking on the water, but when he saw the wind, which became boisterous... Now, I can guarantee you them devils are out there stirring up the winds and the waves. Just like when you start to pray, or you rebuke the devil, sometimes the devil will make your problem intensify. Like the other day when I was praying over a woman that had been involved in the occult. She was in such excruciating pain at the ministry center. I reached up and literally put my hands on her side... She said, Mr. Schreiber, I'm hurting. I am so hurting. And I said, stand up. She stood up. I reached her and put my hand on her side. I said, you devil of hell, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And she said, wow, it just left and it's going down my leg. And I reached down began to command the devils to come out. And all of a sudden, Cheryl's come running in the room. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm commanding devils to leave this woman. She said, every computer and every piece of equipment we're using is just shut down. The tape recorders quit running. They stopped. The CD, DVD players have stopped, started ejecting tapes out or CDs, and the computers are all stopping. She said, the printers won't work. What are you doing? I said, I'm casting out devils. I said, just leave everything off until I get these devils kicked out. Then I'll cleanse and purify the minister center and we'll start over. So we kicked all the devils out of the woman. Her and the people she came with, they all left. and I went through the place, rebuked all the devils, commanded them to leave. I said, now then turn everything back on and it'll work fine in the name of Jesus. And everything worked perfect. Isn't that amazing? What can devils do? They can do awesome things. You know, you've got to realize who these critters are and how much power you got over them. But you can see these demons that are stirring up the wind and the waves are becoming... Boisterous. So Peter was afraid. And he beginning to sink, cried saying, Lord, save me. Now see, this is somewhere, when you start getting your healing, you've got to believe, and if the devil puts the worst symptom upon you after we pray for you, you've ever had. You just say, devil, I know that you, and you're coming out, and I'm going to walk and run and play in Jesus' name, because he gave me this power and authority, and I am not going to continue to be lame, I'm not going to continue to walk with a cane. I'm going to be strong because Jesus come to give me life and give it to me abundantly. So I'm going, to be a, I'm going to be a strong, healthy woman that's out there with a great testimony. Just like Sharon. You know, she brought you today, I guess. You all came in together. Well, you're going to get strong with a prayer warrior like her to help kick these devils out of you. Them devils don't stand a chance, I'll tell you to start off with. With a woman like you got on each side of you, them devils, it's a wonder if there's any of them still there. With Sherry on one side and, and her, uh, Sharon on the other side, them devils are in trouble. And get Gloria in there too. I guarantee. But you don't, I mean, you don't have to have these powerful people. All you need is the Word. The Word. That's where the power is at. The reason these girls are powerful is because they got the Word hidden in their heart. That's the reason Gloria is powerful, because she's got the Word hidden in her heart. That's all she talks about, is the Word. So the more of the Word you got in you, the more power and the more faith you have. So that's why it's so important here. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said, O thou of little faith. O thou of little faith. If you've got a little bit of faith, what's going to happen to you when you try to walk on water? You're going to think. If you try to get healed and you got a little bit of faith, what's going to happen to you? You ain't going to get healed. You're going to have to learn to continue. You're going to have to keep renewing your mind daily with the Word of God. See, that's what, there's lots of people that come here to a healing school and get healed and then leave and maybe they come back two or three times and then they don't come back to keep their faith built up. And in six months to a year, they're sick again. But those people that get healed and stay in the Word, whether it be in this church or someplace, but the more of the Word you keep in you, you get to where you can walk in divine health. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want nobody to ever to pray for me really for healing. I want to walk in divine health. I want to be one of those that's out kicking out devils and healing the sick And I want to get to be 120 years old and I'm still able to do anything and everything I can do like Moses. I want to be young and vibrant and go do what I want to do. Somebody said, gee, how old are you? said, well, I'm not very old. Well, how old are you? Well, I'm only 156 right now. What? 156? Nobody lives to be 156. You're lying. Go back and get your birth certificate and say, hey, look here. <laughs> now then, let me tell you, how, how have you done this? Oh, it's by the power of Jesus. Would you like to know who this Jesus is? How many people do you think like to know that Jesus? Amen. You walked in divine health and you're 156 years old and you look like you're 50? Who wants to know that Jesus? Ah, especially these beautiful girls. Oh, I could guarantee the, all these girls. <laughs> Did Cheryl say something back there too? Oh, the little boy back there? Everybody wants to know that kind of Jesus. Now, see, when we walk in that kind of power... I heard a nurse one time. I was down at the hospital. I was trying to minister to some people, and I was trying to win this one nurse to Jesus. She said, I don't need your Jesus. I said, why? She said, why? These Christians. She said, y'all don't have anything we don't have. I said, what do you mean? She said, there's people coming here all the time praying for people. So they die. They're sick. They're afflicted. She said... Y'all don't have anything. She said, when I start seeing Christians walk different than the world, she said, then I'll believe in your Jesus. I told her, I said, young lady, you've run into a man that's done that. I've met the requirements of the king, and I don't have any sickness and any disease. And I said, he meets all of my needs. If you want to know this Jesus, and I said, I get to walk in the gifts of the Spirit." And then when I reached over and laid my hands on the woman that she was ministering to and commanded that devil to come out of her, and the little lady got completely healed almost instantly. and went home the next day. She said, wow, this is awesome. In fact, the other day I was down at a hospital down south here about a three-hour drive. Went down to see a man. And I walked in there to see him. And he was sitting up in the bed. He said, praise God, Brother Thurman, I'm glad you come by to see me. And I said, well, I thought I heard you was in the hospital, so I thought I'd drive down here and visit with you. So I, I'd driven three hours. I walked in there, and this little beautiful little nurse comes in. She says, I'm going to take your blood pressure. So she put a thing on him, you know, and she pumped it up and all that stuff. And she says, wow, your blood pressure is way up to 138 or 158 over something. I don't know what, anyway. She said, it's extremely high. And I said, ma'am, what's it supposed to be? Well, she said... Uh, about 70. I said, oh, okay. I reached up and put my hands on him, and I said, I command your heart and your arteries to be open and everything work perfect, and I command your blood pressure to be 70. I think she said 70 or 72. Anyway, whatever she said. Over set, one. Okay, anyway, the one she was checking was supposed to be 70, be perfect. And so, anyway, I said, uh, uh, I commanded it to be that way. I said, now, I said, ma'am, you ever seen a miracle? She said, no. I said, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah. I said, Do you go to church? She said, yeah. I said, you never saw a miracle? She said, no. I said, what a shame. I said, why don't you recheck his blood pressure? She said, sir, I just checked his blood pressure, and it was extremely high. I said, I thought you said you'd never seen a miracle. She said, I never have. I said, would you like to see one? Yes. I said, then check his blood pressure. He said, I got to go. He, he, Ma'am, ma'am, he said, he knew her. He said, would you please, for me, just check my blood pressure one more time? She said, I just checked your blood pressure, and it's extremely high, and there's no way your blood pressure is going where it is to 72 right now. He said, would you please just check it one more time? Okay, okay. So she puts the thing back on his arm, starts pumping it up, and it starts coming down. And that thing stops right on the money. And immediately, I looked at her and I said, you can't say. I've never seen a miracle again. And I looked at her and tears were running out of both eyes. She said, mister, I've never seen anything like this in my life. What did Jesus give us the keys to the kingdom to be able to do? By faith, what can we do? Do we need to get there? We need to get there. It's unfortunate that we don't believe the Word of God. But we're going to get there. Now then, in Matthew chapter 15, let's see what you can do if you have great faith. Now, we saw what happened if you had little faith. Let's see what happens when you have great faith. In Matthew 15, And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thy son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. At least this woman was smart enough to know the problem. Today... You ask the average Christian, do you think because you're sick because you have a devil? They say, oh, no. I don't have a devil. A demon. Christians can't have demons. I mean, I've heard pastors that will argue that with you. It's unfortunate. This woman knew more. But he answered her naughty word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, send her away, for she cries after us. But he answered and said, "I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel." Then came she and worshipped him. Now, if you want to see God do miracles, what do you got to do? You got to learn to worship the King. You know that don't mean saying, "Lord, I thank you." That's not worshiping Him. You got to. This morning, the first thing I did when I woke up this morning, you know, the first words out of my mouth: "Amen." That's the same thing out of yours anymore, isn't it? That's what we do now. We praise the King. We worship and praise the Lord. We don't get up saying, oh, golly Lord, it's time to get up. We get up saying, praise God. Thank you, Lord, that I'm able to get up. Thank you, Lord, that I'm going to get up and go teach a healing school today. Lord, thank you for your Word. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. I was still up this morning at 2.30 putting this outline together for today. That's what time I... In fact, I thought I was going to go to bed at 2. I went over to the minister center. Cheryl was still doing orders. And I was over at the house studying And about 2 or 2.15. I said, oh, my lens, I've had it. I've got to quit. And so I saved my outline, printed it off. I walked across the minister center. And she said, are you ready to go? I said, I'm ready to go to bed. I said, I'm I'm wore out. She said, well, okay, I'll be through in just a minute. So I go up to my office and look, and I had forgot to print out my four, next four weeks' worth of radio shows and give them to Dave so he could put them on the website. So I said, oh, I hadn't done that yet. So I turned on the computers, done everything. Cheryl comes up. She said, I'm ready to go. I said, it's going to be a half hour. She said, well, I'll go back and start filling some more orders. So I got all the radio shows printed out, everything, took me give them to Dave. And then I went up there, and so somewhere between 2.30 and 2.45 or 3 o'clock this morning, we lay down in the bed. So when the alarm went off this morning, get ready to come to. I jumped up and said, "Praise God! Thank you, Lord, that I woke up this morning. Thank you, Jesus. No grumbling, and complaining. I've learned if you want the King to do something, you better worship Him. When you worship Him and you speak in His name, He'll show up for you. If you don't worship Him, He won't do nothing. This woman here, she comes. She had a sick child. Lord, help me. He just kept walking, right on by. He ain't paying her no attention at all. But when she fell at His feet and worshipped Him," He said, oh, now then. You like something? Yes, Lord. Good lesson right here, isn't there? You want something from the king? You better fall at his feet and worship him. Better fall and worship him. But he answered and said, after she worshipped him, it is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. Oh, most women said, well, if that's the way you feel about me, if I'm a dog, then just go fly a kite. I know a few women that tell you that. You know that? But she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Wow! This woman's really got it together. She didn't retaliate. Nothing. I mean, when he called her a dog, she was just, I know it, Lord. I know I'm a dog. I I know I'm just a dog. But, Lord... Even the puppy dogs, the crumbs that falls in the master take the puppy dogs get those, Lord. I may be just a dog, Lord, but I need something from you. And I'm gonna worship you, and I don't care what you call me. I don't care if you call me a dog, I'm still gonna worship you and love you and praise you. Wow. It takes a woman to do something like that, you know it. It takes a real, real person. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, "O oh, woman. Great is your faith. Be it unto you, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You think when that woman got home and her daughter was completely well, she was a happy camper? You think she was glad that she didn't retaliate and say something dirty to the king? She was so happy. That's right, she didn't say that either, brother. I can't believe she believed, didn't she? Now look at Matthew 17. First, starting verse 15. These keys of the kingdom. This is what we can do. Matthew 17. Lord, have mercy on verse 15. Have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, and he's sore vexed, for oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him unto your disciples, and they could not cure him. Oh, well, it must not have been God's will then, right? He brings him over here to me, and I'm the pastor of the church, and I pray over you, don't get healed. It must not be God's will to heal you. Oh, I'm afraid that's not what the king said. The king says, Then Jesus answered and said unto them, This is what he says to us, they can't get it done. (laughs) Ooh, Oh, you faithless and perverse generation. Lord, you're calling me a pervert? A perverse generation? You faithless bunch? How long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Oh, my lands. You think it's God's will to heal everybody every time? Sure it is. He wants everybody to be healed. And when we don't get it done, He don't have nice things to say to us. He didn't to these boys, did He? I don't want to go home one day and stand in His presence. When he said, well, only by fire are you going to be saved. No rewards. Everything you've done was for yourself. Wood, hay, and stubble. Burned up by fire. You should be saved. I want him to throw his arm around my shoulder and say, well done, son. Come in here and receive all these rewards that I've had prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Is that what you want to hear? Amen. You know what you got to do to get rewards? you got to work. People get this mixed up. Well, I'm working for my salvation. No, your salvation was free. But you're working for your rewards. That's when he said, build your treasures in heaven, not on earth. So when you're out about the king's business, winning souls, praying for people, casting out demons, healing the sick, all those things, you're building your rewards in heaven. That's what you're doing. You're loving your brother as yourself. You're not retaliating. (laughs) You're loving. From this day forth, Sharon, you're going to love forever, right? You've got it this time. You're going to love. Even when they're mean to you, you're going to love them, right, girl? Absolutely. Because that's what the king said do. He said love. Then he says And Jesus... This boy that nobody could heal. And Jesus did what? He rebuked the devil. And he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Did he pray for his healing? No. He just rebuked the devil. Commanded the devil to leave. And when the devil left, the boy was miraculously healed. Many a time in my life have I seen that very thing. Just lay hands on somebody... Rebuke that devil and command that devil to leave and see him get instantly healed. I've seen that over and over, just exactly like it's written right there. Because that same Jesus that was right there doing that, where was he that day I did that? He was right there. He's not very far away, is he? All i got to do is learn to trust him. That's where the kicker comes in. You start to lay your hands on somebody and guarantee they're going to get healed, and you'll hear this little voice. But what if he don't do it for you this time? We know where that critter comes from, don't we? That's our good old buddy, the devil. Don't you believe him? You believe the Word. Then the Lord says, after he rebuked the devil, and that devil departed out of him, then came the disciples to Jesus and said, why could not we cast him out? That would be a very good question for us to ask. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. Unbelief is rampant in the church today. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. What a statement. What can we do as children of the King if we believe? Everything. Nothing's impossible with us. Isn't that amazing? But if I had wrote this outline and put this together, and this was Scrivenerology, you could throw it out the window. But I took this out of the Word of God. Your Bible, if you've got a King James, should read exactly because I took this out of the King James last night. Nothing, if you have faith, nothing shall be impossible with you. You know what we need to do in the morning when we wake up? We need to wake up and look in the mirror and say, wow, Lord, look at that thing in the mirror. The Holy Ghost is in that thing. There ain't nothing me and you today can't do, Lord. Nothing. I'm going out there today and I'm going, to, I'm going to take your word and I'm going to save the lost, I'm going to heal the sick, I'm going to cleanse the lepers, and I'm going to raise the dead. He said he watched over his word that you was willing to speak to perform it. If I'm not willing to teach that he's the one that not only heals the sick, but he raises the dead, but no, 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 I don't believe he can raise the dead. And how many of you think I'm going to see raised from the dead? None. If I don't believe He's the healer, how many you think I'm going to see He get healed? None. But if I know He's all these things, then when I speak in His name, He shows up to confirm what you taught. That's amazing. And then He says, the next verse, verse 21, This kind of unbelief does not go out but by prayer and fasting. Now that's got to be feasting, not fasting. They must have made a misprint. They must have misspelled that. They must have left out the e and the a. They must have left out the e there. And just think, that's all they had to put in. There's one more letter: prayer and feasting. Now I'm telling you, we could have a real prayer meeting if we had all kinds of steaks. You know, if we had the 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 roast out here and the steak and the French fries and the mashed potatoes and the salad. And, and the pecan pie and the ice cream and all that stuff. Ooh, we could get a host to come to church, right? That makes you hungry just talking about it, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness gracious. See, I should have kept my mouth shut. Now, see, I wasn't hungry. Now, I am. See, Some of y'all wasn't hungry. You was going on to fast, maybe. Now, you can't wait to get out of here so you can go get something to eat. <laughs> but if you want to see God do wonderful things, what do you got to do? Pray and fast. Pray and fast. Learn to fast. Something Cheryl and I have noticed, every time we fast, even if we go on a juice fast, we lose weight. It's real easy to lose weight when you don't eat. (laughs) Y'all know that? It's real real easy. Cheryl and I went on a four-day fast the other day. A juice fast. And every day. Gerald comes and says, wow, I lost another pound today. I lost another pound today. I lost... She said, wow, I've lost four pounds. But we started eating again after the fourth day. She hasn't told me if she's gained them back, so I don't know. <laughs> I will have to say, I gained mine back, so I lost mine too. But when you start eating, it's something about putting that food back in you. You start gaining. In Matthew 21:21, Jesus answered, and yeah, let's see what that one says. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily I say unto you, If you have faith and doubt not, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you say unto the mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Is that a pretty nice key? Will that get you healed? It will. No, it not should. It will. It will do it. You can't have none of this unbelief stuff. It should do it. You've got to believe it is. It will do it. It's done. I mean, did he that, in that verse right there, did he say that? And all things, whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Not maybe, not hopefully, it is yours. You see what you've got to do to believe to get healed, right? You've got to believe it's done. And then start speaking to your body. And say, body, I command you in the name of Jesus to be strong. I command everything in my body to be strong. Somebody say, you know, you must be crazy talking to your body. What do you think they thought when Jesus walked up and told that fig tree to die? Was He talking to a tree? Did the tree obey Him? Winds did. Seas did. Sickness did. Demons did. And then He comes and told you and me. This is the good news of the kingdom. I've given you all this power back. It's all yours. Now then that the king has died on the cross paid the price in hell, and has been reconciled back, and now that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, he said, All these things belong to you, my children. Isn't that amazing? Once you come into the kingdom and become a child of God, everything that was available to Jesus walking on this earth as a man is available to you and me. And most of us don't believe it. But we're going to. We're going to believe it. Mark 4, uh, mark 4 38 mark 438 and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said unto him, "Master, carest thou not that we perish?" And he arose and rebuked the wind and, the, and said unto the sea, "Peace be still." And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Was he speaking to these things again? He's speaking to them. And he's telling you and me, we can do these same things. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Well, if you have no faith, in other words, if you have the word hidden in your heart, you have faith. Because the word is faith. But the thing about it is, you can't wait till you get on the boat when the winds and waves are trying to sink you to get the book out and start trying to find the answer. You've got to do your studying up front and find it's got to be in your heart so that whenever the devil attacks, you can take the sword of the Spirit and come against him in Jesus' mighty name. And that's how you kick him out. So when the devil comes upon you to try to make you sick, when that devil does that, you've got to realize... That Jesus completely defeated the devil, completely disarmed him, and completely, completely destroyed his power on the cross 2,000 years ago. Now then, in these last few minutes, I'm going to take you to some places in the Word. Just write out the Word that I didn't get in my outline last night. I want to take you to a few places, and I want to show you something that we can do by knowing the keys to the kingdom, I want us to turn to 1 John 3 8 to start off with. 1 John 3 8. I want you to see this great and awesome promise. In fact, let's go all the way back up to verse 3 to start off with. And every man that has this hope in him purifieth himself even as he, Jesus, is pure. So what is the goal for us as Christians? To be pure. Not to be unholy. But if we have this hope of Christ living in us, the goal is to purify yourself from all sin. And then he says... Verse 4, because whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. So guess what? If you're walking in grace and you have yourself purified, you're walking above the law. And the law can't touch you. And Paul clearly tells you, don't fall from grace. When you fall from grace, you fall back under the law. In other words, when you sin, you go out and sin, you're walking up here on this platform, say four, five, or six feet above the snake pit of the world. Above the snake line. They can't get to you. Do you know on this earth, physically, there is a line of elevation where snakes do not go beyond? It's called the snake line. Well, let me tell you, the same thing with the demons. When you're walking in grace, you're walking above the snake line. They can't get to you. They can put no sickness and disease on you. You cannot be made sick when you walk in grace and love. Cannot be. It's only when you step off of that platform of grace when you, when you commit sin of any kind, you fall from grace and you step off of that walkway, that narrow path, and you step down into the snake line of where the pit of hell literally is on this earth. And that's where Satan and his host of demons are and those snakes is what bite you. That's why Jesus called them serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions. He says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresses the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him, Jesus, is no sin. Whosoever abideth in Christ Sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth. Hath not seen him. Neither knows him. There must be a lot of people in church. That don't know Jesus. According to that verse. Little children. Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness. Is righteous. Even as he Christ is righteous. Righteous. And he that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning, and for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Makes you wonder if you're really a child of God sometimes, doesn't it? But if Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, right there, if Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, then did he really do that or not? If he did, why is the devil still running, things? Why is He still doing all these things? Why is He still making people sick? Why is He afflicting them? Because we're sinning. We're not walking where we're supposed to be walking. Now then, turn back to Hebrews 2.14. And I want to show you something the Lord said He did here. In Hebrews 2.14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Now then, think about this. If Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, then why do people still die? That's a good question, isn't it? What is it that brings forth death? Sin. So why do we still die? Because we sin. What if we could get to the point where we didn't sin anymore? We wouldn't age. We wouldn't grow old. We wouldn't have to die physically. Jesus made us those promises. It's kind of awesome, isn't it? Not only do you have no sickness and disease, but you don't have to be sick and you don't have to die. That's a little more than the average one can stomach, isn't it? To think that you don't have to die. But Jesus is the one that made these statements. And if you don't believe Him, when you go from right here, you can go on over to the left in your Bible to John. And we'll go to John chapter 8. Now, of course, I would never make a statement like this if it wasn't in the Word of God. But Matthew eight, I mean John eight fifty one. John eight fifty one, Jesus said, Verily, verily I say unto you, if a man keeps my sayings, he shall never see death. What is his sayings? Sharon, I'm gonna jump on your case now. What is the commandment that we're supposed to keep daily? What are we supposed to do? Oh, love. Walk in love. Okay, so if we walk in that kind of love, the Lord says you're not going to get any older, you're not going to get weak, you're going to be strong, and you never have to worry about dying. Does that sound good? Wow. How would you like to stay young and beautiful like this till you're 120 and then the Lord just translates you out of here? It'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? Hey, but see sin brings forth death you have another statement let me get the mic for you while, 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 we're, while you're meditating on that verse right there in John 851 turn to John 11:26 and we'll see what he said there go ahead
2: I was reading John Ritchie's book
1: life after tomorrow yesterday and he recounts when he was a soldier in the American army they were in Germany liberating a concentration camp and they were absolutely aghast of the emaciation and the starvation that they could see there. There was one man there. He walked up to them. He spoke four languages. He was Polish. He stood erect. He was not emaciated. He was not starved. His eyes were bright and full of love. And he greeted them, and because he spoke so many languages, they put him to work. And also he overcame all the hatred that the concentration camp people in the concentration camp had for each other as well as the Germans and they thought well he must have just been there just a few weeks because he looked so good turns out he was there since 1939 the Germans had shot his wife and his six children right in front of his eyes took him to the camp because he spoke so many languages so they could use him and he refused to hate Anybody. He walked in love for the Germans. He walked in love for all the prisoners. He walked in divine love and forgiveness. He did not die. He did not age. And he was strong,
0: and physically
1: well
2: when they found him.
0: What love does, right? Wow, what an awesome testimony of a man that's walking in the God kind of love. Now, would it be very easy to get off into a hate mode if that you've seen them kill your wife and your children? be very easy, but is that the devil 's world? Sure it is, and that hate will kill you because God says you've got to walk in that lot now then, in that John eleven, when we went from eight fifty one to john eleven twenty six I want you to see what the Lord says there after Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life, he that believeth in me, in verse 25, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believeth thou this? That's a little more than we can grasp, isn't it? But the king says, if you can walk in that God kind of love, if you can, he said, sin is what brings forth death. So guess why all of us die? Sin. If we could walk into God kind of love, guess how long we could live? As long as we wanted to. We could live and have no sickness and no disease. None. I mean, you, when you walk into God kind of love, if the devil comes by your house to try to put a sickness or a disease on you, you just tell him, no, Mr. Devil, I refuse to let you do this to me. I'm walking in obedience to God's Word. I'm walking in love, and His Word says, you cannot touch me. So I'm keeping His commandments, and quote His Word, and tell the devil where to go. And guess what he has to do? James 4, 7 says, you have, you have submitted yourself to the Lord. That means be obedient to His Word. Then he says, you can resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. Isn't that amazing? That's almost, I mean, when you talk about trying to get people healed, and they have trouble getting healed. Then you try to teach them how they can walk in divine health, and you have a little bit more of a problem. But then you go up and say, Hey, Jesus said you don't have to die. Oh, give me a break. Give me a break, Thurman. You're crazy. Well, if I'm crazy, then Jesus is crazy because I'm just repeating what the king said. Is that true? The king is the one who made these statements. All of these statements in the keys of the kingdom. And before I begin to grab hold of my keys and put them on my pegs, Or I could go get them and use them anytime I wanted to. It's just like the other day. A woman came in here knowing my authority. There's a woman came in here the other night and she said, I need you to pray for me. I've got this terrible cough. She said, I just can't seem to get over this cough. I reached up and put my hand on her shoulder and I said, I rebuke that thing and it has to go away and you will not cough again in Jesus' name. I sat and talked to her for about 10 minutes. She never coughed another cough. And after about ten minutes, she said, you know, but my cough. And the minute she said, my cough, she started coughing. She said, you see, I've still got it. I said, ma'am, repent. I reached up and grabbed her by the shoulder and shook her. I said, now repent and tell God you're sorry for claiming this cough. I said, this is a demon. And the minute you said, my cough, he come right back in. And now you started coughing. So she repented I drove the devil out against her and talked to her 30 minutes and she never coughed. Not one single cough. How much power and authority did God say? What is that little three letter word? All. Oh, what does that mean? A little bit? Some? What does that mean? Oh, all means all. Wow. Isn't that amazing what God has given us in His Word? And then he's all these different places he's taken us, and then when we're talking about the power he's given us over the devil, I want you to go to Colossians. I want you to see this one, Colossians chapter two. Before I read Colossians two, I want to read Colossians one twenty seven. I think that's such an awesome verse. In fact, I'll read verse 26 first. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made known to His saints. That's us. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, this mighty power source, the King of the universe... Where is He? He's in us. And that's what you've got to get a picture of. When, think about it like this, guys. Next time you reach over and say something to your wife, if you say something mean to her, guess who you're talking to? Jesus. Now, if you were saying something mean to your wife, or your women were saying something mean to your husband, and all of a sudden your husband just disappeared and Jesus was standing there, would you change the tone of voice? <laughs> would you? Huh? You would really? Well, then think about that. When we talk to each other, that's what we have to try to hide in our heart. That when I look at Cheryl, I've got to keep in my mind, Lord, I've got to love her. I've got to be kind to her. I've got to be gentle to her. Because when I talk to her, I'm talking to you because you're in her. So I need to be very careful. I mean, I don't care. Me and her may be out in the Father's out in the desert, and there ain't nobody else in the world out there. But when I talk to her, Christ is there, isn't He? And He knows what I'm saying to her. So He tells me to love her. And if I don't, He knows, doesn't He? He sure does. Then in Colossians two fifteen, it says, And having spoiled or disarmed principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in the cross. And then let's hit these scriptures. Once you get a hold of this, go back to Mark 16. And this is another one of the great keys of the kingdom. Look what Jesus told you to do. Mark 16. Look at what Jesus told you to do as a Christian. The first thing He told you to do is go in, in verse 15, He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom to every creature. Now then you know that the gospel is not just the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Because He preached the gospel of the kingdom for three and a half years. And He didn't preach His death, burial, and resurrection in none of it. Not one time did he preach it. Not one. But he preached all the other things. So he's telling us to preach all of the gospel. And then he says, "...and he that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall you cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues. You shall take up serpents or the devil." And if you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you, and you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Those are pretty nice keys to have, aren't they? He made it so hard. Lay hands on the sick, and they'll get well. Wow. Is that tough, or is that tough? When you reach over and touch somebody in faith, what happens? They get well. Great things happen. Now then, this is the last verse. We're going to go one more verse. And this one has to become a revelation to you. And this one is this verse I've quoted three or four times today. But Luke chapter 10. You have to get this in your spirit. Luke 10, 18 and 19. And 20. And Luke ten eighteen, and Jesus said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. When the king flung that beast out of heaven, can you only imagine what it looked like? I mean, he flung him out, he kicked him out of heaven, and then he, but he threw him down here to the earth. Unfortunately, but when he did that, he says, Behold, so I give unto you power to tread on the devil and his demons and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nothing. When you really get that in your spirit, what that's saying, you will not never let that devil beat up on you again. Next time, as a child of God, when the devil tries to come up on you and put a sickness or a pain or something upon you, you will just say, No! Absolutely no! We had a man come to a healing school just a few healing schools back, and I guarantee he'd been to... Half a dozen, at least, maybe more, and he come in a wheelchair every time, every time. But the other day, when he walked in that door with no wheelchair, I saw him. I said, "Boy, well, praise God!" And I called his name, and I said, "When did this happen?" He said, "I was sitting at home in my wheelchair the other day, and I was listening to some of your teaching, and said I've listened to these things and listened been to many healing schools." And it finally become a revelation to me. It's already done. It's already done. And he got up out of the wheelchair. Would you hear the day he gave his testimony? Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. yeah. Got up here and He said, praise God at the intermission. He said, I want to give a testimony. But he said, now that I can walk, he said, I'm going home this afternoon and I'm going to mow my yard. <laughs> he'd been in a wheelchair for years and years and years. But now then that he's no longer in a wheelchair, he'd come up here and gave his testimony to let us know that he finally realized it was already done and he had all power over the enemy and that enemy cannot keep him in that wheelchair no longer. So he got out and walked off. And he left his wheelchair sitting there. And he came to a healing school, come up here, give his testimony, and then he was going home that afternoon and mow his yard. Did you hear him give that testimony? You know, Rusty? Yeah, yeah. He'd been here many times, but he finally got it. Now then, if the Lord says right there, Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on the devil and his demons, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not over the fact that the spirits have to be subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Again, let me ask the question. How much power do we have over the enemy? All. How many people did Jesus heal? All. How many had to believe? All. If they all believed, you get your healing from Jesus. He says when we lay hands on you, He will heal you. He will deliver you. He is the healer. I am just an instrument the king uses to lay hands on people. And he does the healing. I don't heal nobody. But I just lay hands on you. And he does the rest. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, that we can come and talk about your word and see all these wonderful keys of the kingdom. Oh, there's so many of them. We thank You, Lord, that You told us You give us. And it gives You great pleasure to give us, Your children, the keys to the kingdom. And then, Lord, the magnificent thing You said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, that no matter how many of these keys or how many of these promises You give us, the answer to every one of Your promises are always yes and amen every time to the glory of God. Thank You, Father, for Your Word. Thank you for the divine health you provided for us. Thank you for the healing you provided. And thank you for the dominion and power you've given to us so we can reign and rule with you on the earth now. And we praise you and thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You can, we, oh, come, okay, come up here. You got a testimony? Come up here, son. We'll let you give it. And also, while Phil's coming, for those of you that don't know, Philip was a young man that was miraculously set free about 11 years ago of all the warts and scars. You know, this is the same young man that when he was 11 had warts and scars all over his whole body. But today he don't have none. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now he's got something to tell us about Jesus.
3: He's great, that's for sure. That's awesome. But... um Let's see, where to start. i got so many testimonies that I'm going to give eventually, but I can't give them all right now. We don't have enough time. But, uh, yeah, I was delivered of the warts back when I was 11. And, uh, unfortunately, I didn't, you know, stay in the Word and live according to God's will after that. So I got up into some bad stuff. And uh, I've been delivered from a lot of bad stuff. I've, I've done pretty much all the bad Party and drugs and all that stuff that's out there, and I know, I know what's out there. But praise the Lord, I'm, I'm in the Word now. I'm, I'm serving the Lord, and I just feel like I need to give some testimony. But um, I had, I've been having a problem like every year, this wisdom tooth starts growing, and it swells up and it hurts so bad, and people keep telling me get it pulled, but I'm too poor, you know. So, uh, this time the devil noticed I was getting pretty powerful knowing what Jesus did for us, you know. And so he comes at me again, and now I know what it is. I know it's the devil. So uh, it's ten times worse than it's ever been before. It's excruciating. I can't talk. My whole side of my face is swollen so big, and it's just horrible. And uh, everybody prays over me and everything, but just for some reason I get off in self-pity and, forget what the word says and uh, so it doesn't go away for the first day and then the second day I finally start realizing you know why am I why am I letting him do this to me so you know I finally start actually having faith in, in the words that you know that I'm confessing and by the end of the night it's gone completely gone and I mean, I mean, it's still, it's still a little there, you know, the pain's still there, but it's gone. You know what I mean? I could start. I, I, was chewing like normal. I could talk, and it was great. We were reading the Word, but then, you know, it says, "Hold fast to your confession." And I start telling my wife, you know, I start telling her, she's way back there, she's so beautiful, but I start telling her, uh, you know, I've got this infection, and that's what's causing it, and all this stuff. I wake up the next morning. <laughs> And it's ten times worse than it was before. And I'm like, what? Where are you? You know, what's going on? I did all the right things. I said all the right things. I prayed, and it went away. Why did you? Why did you put it back on me? Then I realized he's not the one that put it on me. And the devil noticed that the, the house was clean, and I wasn't in the Word, and I didn't believe what I was saying. So he came back in with seven more. And and my wife is telling me everything I need to do. You need to start confessing the word. You need to believe this. You need to stop saying all this negative stuff. And, and, you know. and uh, finally, whenever she leaves, I, uh, I realize she's right, as always. And so I get down on the floor, and that, that verse, I can't quote it exactly, but the verse that says, uh, If a man wavers, he is double-minded, and let not that man expect anything from the Lord. And that, that hit me where she left, and I was, so I got down on my knees and I prayed, you know, I, I said, you know, I can ask anything in Jesus' name and you'll do it for me, so please take this away from me, and quickly. And praise the Lord, it's completely gone now, I, I, no swelling, nothing, it's just totally gone, and the Lord is awesome, Amen. this is real stuff, and if you hold if you fast to your confession and you know what you're talking about and you believe it, anything is possible. And i got many more testimonies, but too
0: much, uh, hey, too much time. We'll take them one at a time. Yeah. Praise the King. Phil's really learning. The young man's really learning. But uh, I, I tell you, uh, just like I was telling him when he first came to work with me in the Minister center, when he was just you know, coming out of all this nonsense that he's lived in, I told him, I said, isn't it wonderful how merciful God is? Because he knew ten years ago when I come to your house and prayed over you, And he took away all your warts and scars. He knew you were only going to stay with him a little while, and then you were going to get back in the world. I said, Now, Phil, if I'd have been God, now I'm like, sure, and see. I said, If I'd have been God, I'd have just, instead of healing you, I'd have just went ahead and killed you then. That's what I'd have done. But thank goodness that his love is greater than mine and yours. And so, God knew what he would use him for sometime in the future. And so now then that he's been through all that stuff and got out of that, now he's learning the Word. And of course, as him and Christ are making our tapes and stuff, they're listening to them as they make them. And he's growing in faith. They're taking them home with them, listening to them, studying the Word. And both of them are really, really growing in faith. And who knows what God will use Philip for one day in the future. He may be one of those that goes forth as an evangelist, that's kicking out devils, healing the sick, cleansing lepers, and raising the dead. And doing those great and wonderful things. Because just think, at 22 years of age, you know, when, if I had a hold of this like he's got a hold of it when I was 22, I didn't even know these promises existed when I was 22. So there's no telling what God would use him for. But anyway, if you need to be prayed for, we'll be happy to pray for you, whatever. And if you need any of the teachings, they're back there. They're free. You can take whatever you want. Take them home. Listen to them. Take some for your neighbor's. Anything you want to do. And if you do need to be prayed for, you'll come up here if you believe God. You know, make sure your sins are repented. We'll pray the prayer of faith for you. And He will heal you. No problem. And otherwise, if you don't need to be prayed for, you're dismissed to go home. Praise the King.